I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And welcome back for another week of the 5th and Last NRL Podcast. Find us on Facebook, 5th and Last NRL Podcast, and on Twitter, at 5th and Last. That's the letter N, not the word and. Instagram as well. Uh, probably not as active on Instagram or, you know, on social media in general. But, you know, them's the break box head. And obviously, if you want to find the podcast, iTunes, the podcast app, Spotify, and Audio Boomer host website. Good times. Good start, times. Starting to see some more reviews and bits and pieces come through, which is good. Yeah, I had a look on the um, on the what do you call it podcast app? Yeah, on Apple. Yeah, but the majority some really app. good reviews on there. So, like I said before, if you've been listening for a long time, uh, it only takes two seconds. It's much appreciated if you do so, and obviously uh, that feedback and those ratings help obviously get us pro- hopefully more exposure on that app because I think that is the most commonly used one for most people seeing as our Apple is so big. So keep pushing us on there. Uh, another big week of rugby league. And again, no dull moments, that's for sure. But if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the podcast. If you're a regular, you know how things kick off. The set of six, six topics, things, opinions, anything we want to talk about to start things off for this week. And uh, tackle one in that set of six, Brock. Absolute carnage on the weekend. And in particular, some players from big teams. we got Cameron Munster who they said initially could be one to two weeks, four to six weeks. They're saying now potentially three to four weeks with an injury. Missing for Melbourne. You had Mitchell Moses with a calf injury go down in Parramatta's win. He's uh, looking maybe two to three weeks at this point in time. And Hopawade down yesterday yep, looking Victor at long term. you got Hallsberg looking at three months or more. And a Liz Frank fracture is a bad injury. They can go anywhere up to 20 weeks. Yeah, so we had last week, and the two ACLs. The big two that you just mentioned, everyone's favourites looking absolutely outstanding so far was the Roosters, Sam Verrills and Radley within the space of 15 minutes, back-to-back non-contact ACLs, which was even crazier. Yeah. So some heavy blows, which are going to affect some teams in the short term. I guess if you're a Melbourne, you take solace in the fact that hopefully they can eke out a few wins and they've been known to do so to recover during this period. You look at Parramatta, they've got great cover. I think they're very, very lucky with the way their squad is at the moment. They've picked up Jai Field from the Dragons. I think they've, they've named him, haven't they, Jai Field? I haven't looked yet. but I, th- I think they have. The one thing I thought about today, because I work with a couple of Para fans, they've probably got more cover than they've ever had. They've had Will Smith, who's been in their system for a few years. He can play on the halves. They've got Jamin Salmon, who's a good junior, who can play in the halves. Uh, they probably don't have... A rusted on dominant number seven, but Dylan Brown's talented enough, in my opinion. Yeah, Jai Field's been named at seven. Well, there you go. So they've got Field, Smith, and I tell you what, they had a kid last year who was in their dominant cup side who played in the New South Wales Cup grand final, Reese Davies. 
He's also a half. So Will Smith, no, number 21. There you go. They're not lacking options for cover for a week or two. No. Um, Melbourne's situation, I think there's a lot of ways you can go about it. They can get Brandon Smith in and play Cameron at nine, uh, seven, which we obviously talked about the back end of last year, which is the way we think they should have probably gone to get more plays into that side and to cover the whole at halfback. Riley, can, Riley Jax has been named at six. There you go. Jax is the one that you would have thought. Cooper Johns still hasn't got a game yet. This is not the week probably to do that against the Roosters. Smith, Tino, Eisenhuth and Nelson is the bench. So the bench is unchanged. Yep. Cooper Johns, 18th. Alrighty. So maybe, maybe. We'll have to wait and see. But in the case of both of those sides looking forward, if Munster's only out for, you know, two to three weeks, they've got the Cowboys this week who showed some signs of life last week, but you'd be more than happy... Uh, about their situation, and they've got some cover. Uh, Newcastle next week, that would obviously be a good test if he wasn't playing, and then the week after, you're looking at them up against Manly, who have got their own issues. But on the Melbourne side of things, missing Munster, probably a critical blow. He's been the only real consistent theme for Melbourne so far. The most dangerous player, the most creative player from them. This week, they've got the Roosters, who obviously, as you mentioned, got their own issues. Next week, they've got the Raiders, and then potentially... Uh, after that, a couple more weeks, they play the Titans, the Broncos, and if it went the full distance, they play Newcastle again and the Bulldogs. So realistically, the run's not terrible. You'd expect Melbourne would be able to get themselves 50-50 in those games minimum. Yeah. So that shouldn't affect them too much. Maybe like as far as top four, you'd only drop in games. But uh, you know, if that's the situation, I'm confident those two will be able to cover. As you said when you gave us those lineup changes before, Jai Field's getting first crack if that doesn't work out next week. They might try Smith. They might use Semin. Who knows? Melbourne, Jacks could be a late reshuffle. Coop might get a game against one of those lesser teams if things don't work out. Smith could move into nine and Cameron go to halfback. So there's options there for the next few weeks. For the Raiders, obviously it's not great when Topine pulls out last week and now you've got Horsberg out long term, potentially the season realistically. Yeah. At least Frank fractures are in your foot. Poor blood flow. There's been cases, like I said before, 20-plus weeks. They're already struggling as is. There's been a big burden on Josh Papali. I think Gould is doing a good job off the bench, but all around, they're just not working as hard or don't have the same sort of commitment energy they did the year prior. Um, they fought, well, they don't. They, Simple as yeah, that. They fought their way back on the weekend, but they need more than just Josh Papali week to week. And even he looked, he had a big game again on the weekend, but even he looked tired at times. He's really carrying the load there. Mm. He needs help. So it's not ideal for them. Their edge defense is still an issue. Um, you know, the, the one with Hopawade, we already know the Bulldogs situation. No offense to any fans from the Bulldogs out there, but they're obviously not a finals team. Probably their most creative player from the back, but that, that hurts. Uh, the one you said about Turbo last week, we'll go into that a bit sooner, but that obviously hurt. But as far as the Roosters... Varying opinions, that's the, probably the biggest one to come out of the weekend. Varying opinions about those two situations, two non-contact ACLs, which is absolutely insanity. But to me, I love Radley. I get that everyone's on the Radley train as well, potentially to play Origin. I don't know if that would have happened. I think he's definitely up to Origin standard. But if they carried Jake and Murray like they did last year, which is likely, I don't think they could afford to pick a third guy who plays that sort of position unless you go complete small ball. That's not to say he doesn't deserve to play Origin or he's not up to that standard. He's 100% up to that standard. The bigger issue, I think, here losing him and Verrills isn't him as a lock because I think they can cover for that with Liu and Butcher. Butcher, from what we've seen so far, has been used more as a worker, but coming through the grades was one of their better juniors. He has a pass. He's got footwork. He's got an offload. I'm sure he can warm into that role. I think the bigger thing with the Radley loss 
is the energy and the character and the intent that he brings to that is random because he's really a spark guy for them. Yeah. Massive spark guy. Yes, the ball playing has definitely enhanced, but the bigger knock-on effect also of Radley and Verrills is the hooker cover. Jake Friend's been injury-prone the last couple of years. He's awesome when he's on the field, but last year he played like six games. The year prior to that, he had some issues as well. So you've technically lost the only two guys that could have covered it. Verrills is an outstanding cover. You've got a New South Wales 20s captain as cover who scored in the grand final last year. Yeah. Now he's gone. The next option would have been Radley to go there as your third option. He's gone as well. So I think the bigger issue here and, now... And Jake Friend has a bit of a history with injury. Yeah, that, that's the bigger issue, I think, coming out of the Radley. And he's a bit older. Yeah, issue as far as Verrills and Radley. All your hooker cover's gone. They'll go and get someone. They will. Well, they've reported today and last night, and a lot of people obviously laugh, they've got room in their salary cap. I had a quick look around for who's sitting at clubs. The one that I would ideally go for if I was the Roosters would be Tommy Starling at the Raiders. With they Hodgson. could even do a swap. They could loan someone and swap. Like It's the year where I think this will work out for the Roosters. I think they'll find someone. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if the Raiders would be looking to help the Roosters out, but if they've got Harvey and Hodgson playing and then Starling's not getting a run... You know, do they let him go? Is he's off contract? I only looked at it because I was looking for someone who's at a club who's good, but also off contract. So, do you really are you going to re-sign him? Are you going to use him, or can he get an option to go somewhere for twelve months and show his wares? Yeah, I think they'll look at someone. If not, we've seen Orbis and plug in there. Could he do an adequate job if friend needs fifteen minutes? Yeah, he could. Do they train up Lachlan Lamb or Drew Hutchinson? They're both halves to no, you know play not, that role. Not Hutchinson, Lamb maybe. Yeah, that's they're going to go some way, but I think. I'm not one, I don't want to undersell the Radley thing. Radley's absolutely outstanding, but they've got two pretty bloody good replacements to cover that in Liu and Butcher, who both play that position, can both ball play, both mobile. The forward pack's really handy. At a pinch, it's been mentioned that Tokiaho could go back to lock because he's got a pass and footwork, and you put Collins into the front row. Minutes-wise, I don't know if that's going to be the way that things work out, but I definitely think Nat's the man for the job. Yeah, I think Nat's a really good player who's just been doing a role for him, but moving into an expanded role, I think he can definitely fill the shoes. But no doubt, the energy and the character of Radley and what he gives to all those around him is the bigger part you're going to lose. Yeah. He's an energy guy. He's like a Brandon Smith is for Melbourne on the field. When he yeah. gets on, things just lift, things just change around him. So I think that's the biggest part. Um, they're still a contender, though. Definitely. 100%. There's way too much quality in that side. But does this bring them back to the field as far as the luxury of depth and players in this squad? 100%. Yeah. But Hooker is the main thing I'm looking at right now. And... Fingers crossed for Jake Friend that he stays healthy for this season and for the Roosters. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, there's some injuries and some news and carnage this week. Number two, set of six, some signs of life. Not a lot that I'm going to hold on to or not a lot that needs to be said here, but two results I definitely didn't expect on the weekend. Number one, the Cowboys. And the train, they just absolutely ran on Newcastle. Easy enough for a lot of people just to say, oh, you know, it was just a bad day. But from the signs you've seen from Newcastle early, grinding out games, being so solid defensively, rolling through teams and a bit of growth in, say, a Kurt Mann playing with Pierce and Ponga and just everything about them. All the signs were pointing that they weren't going to be that kind of side this year that would give away a game in that fashion. But the Cowboys, after a lot of criticism and a lot of things going wrong, ramped up for them. Yeah, We saw some life. We saw Tamalolo do what he always does, but guys around him get on board. Molo's been playing well. The guys around him playing well. Robson's definitely brought... A point of difference to the ruck. The outside backs and a few guys that haven't been playing sparked up. They kept Ponga out of the game. I'm not going to be sold off one week, but I certainly wasn't expecting those two teams to play the way they did. And on the flip side of that was the Manly Sharks game. Yeah. The Sharks have shown us absolutely nothing so far. 
barely beat the Bulldogs last week. Defensively, have been poor, have been flat. There's no go forward. There's been no spark. And then on the weekend, they turned up and they just had an absolute blitz rig on Manly. Um, turbo missing is a huge factor, 100%. And it's definitely hit a hurdle for them. But I think the point that people are missing here when everyone's saying, oh, it's just Tom, it's just Tom. Don't forget, they've lost two quality hookers. They had Arpi Coruscant and Manasi Fani last year. They played both of them on the field at the same time. They rotated them. They had two guys to dictate the ruck, to get them over the advantage line, to create spark, to hold up the middle, to get the ball out to quality players. And when Tommy went out last year, part of the reason I don't think he saw such a big effect and they went on and kept rolling is not the fact that Elliot went into fullback and those few other plugs we're talking about. They had two high-quality starting nines to help out. And generally, you at least need two of those pieces there. You need a fullback and a half, a half and a hooker, or two dominant halves. You need something. But nine times out of ten, it definitely helps when you've got a gun ruck player and a gun ball player. Mm. I think it's been highly underestimated this year that those two are not at the club, or one's injured or suspended and still pending, and one's no longer there. That's the biggest part I took out of the weekend. Turbo is a huge piece, fine and dandy, but don't underestimate the impact of the two hookers that are not playing at Manly right now. That's, yeah, just something for me. But um, Can they get through this period? Again, haven't looked, but they started by saying that Tom was going to be out for six weeks. Now they're yeah. talking up to 10 weeks. So for Manly, you know, did you see signs of improvement? Is it all heaped on Cherry Evans now? You've got two nines that aren't there. You've got Levi. It's difficult. You lose a key player and a, you know, one of the best fullbacks in the game, no doubt. They need to differentiate what they're doing, and it's not going to happen overnight. They've only had one week. Cronulla played some good footy. Manly were a bit off on the weekend. So I think we need a bigger sample size. I think it's very easy to overreact to the performance on the weekend and the issues that they had. But Manly proved last year that they can play without and win without Trebojevic. Mm. Uh, and like you said, I, I think, I think the there's some area. other issues around it. And we knew that uh, you know depth would be an issue for Manly if they got injury. So... I, I think just, yeah, the nine's an issue. It's barely been mentioned. Um, they had two of them. They've got Dylan one. Walker out as well. So they've got their 5'8 and their fullback out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's some wider issues with Manly at this point in time. And give it a month. Mm. And look, if the Chaboyevich injury is 10 weeks, that's obviously going to make it significantly harder. Well, it's, it, and syndesmosis for Dylan Walker is potentially six weeks. Yeah. So, again, I, I'm more bring up that hooker issue for that reason. The well, six it's two and four out. Yeah, the six and one are definitely not there. But last year, they had two high-quality nines that brought a point of difference around the ruck and helped out. Yeah. And they could push Coruscant out or Manasi out, and he played almost as a ball-running 13, and they had dual nines. So they constantly rolled with Tapau, Fanua Blake, killed the ruck, got good ball. They were such a threat around there that that helps talk about what we said that Penaflack last year. Yeah. Have someone around the ruck to take attention away from the A's and B's and the two defenders either side of the ruck to hold up for your halves to be able to play. And now we're seeing Penrith benefit this year from having Arpi Coruscant, who they didn't have a good nine last year, where they just constantly dished off the deck, gave it to their halves, and they instantly had inside pressure because there was no accountability at Penrith on the ruck. Yeah, They've lost two quality nines, not just one. So lose your six and one's one thing, but there's been zero mention of the fact that Arpi Coruscant and Manasi Fano are both not playing at Manly. So that, that's made amplified things even more for me on the weekend when I was watching. Fair. Um, but the run coming up for them doesn't get any easier. And if it is 10 weeks and six weeks, they get Newcastle this week, who definitely look to bounce back. The Dragons showed some improvement, even though they lost on the weekend. Then they've got Parramatta, 
Um, you know, so the next three weeks there's a couple of difficult games. The Cowboys, if they keep surging after that, is not going to be a pushover into the Panthers, who are looking like a top four side. Warriors, so, you know, if we're talking about that six-week run and they finish off of Newcastle again, they're going to play three teams that are potentially final teams. So if they lose a couple of those and then struggle with some of those other teams, it's, you know, going to put them in a bit of a hole. Mm. I still don't think they're going to fall out compared to, say, the bottom four teams in the competition, but certainly not going to help them out, that's for sure. But that that was more my takeaway from the weekend is those two nines and how big a loss they are. But uh, fingers crossed that the Cowboys and the Sharks show some more life moving forward because after the first few weeks back of this competition, we're all sitting here basically thinking, well, the top eight looks like it's done. It's just pretty sad, really. You don't want it to be settled for the whole year. Mm. So if these two spark up and a few of these injuries drag people back to the field, hopefully we get a bit of a, a more competitive. Uh, we're going to we're going to get group. a middle table battle. Yeah. We're Plus the do. Tigers have obviously picked up a few wins. You now. probably got. I think you got four and four that are in and out, and then you probably got eight at the moment that are kind of. Yeah. In. Well, and you could probably throw a few more in that are that are Gonskis. <laughs> but you know, you saw some more fight out of the Sharks. You saw some more fight out of the Cowboys on the weekend. Uh, and, you know, we're probably expecting, or we definitely expected that Brisbane were going to improve on the weekend, but it didn't happen. So, no. uh, you know, they're shot ducks if they continue to play the way they're playing at the moment. Well, that's the next one we've got here after talking about Cowboys Granola showing signs of life in Newcastle Manly. Hitting a hurdle, tackle three is the Broncos. Now, look, we've gone over this. Everyone's flogged it like a dead horse. A lot of the mainstream opinions, I agree with some things, not all things, and a lot of it to me is agenda-driven. We don't have an agenda on it. Just straight up and down, unbiased opinion. And looking at the rugby league side of it and the bits we do know, I'm lost for words where this has got to, in all honesty. Um, I stick to a lot of the things that I've said, and I'm sure you do as well. But all the rambling again from the mainstream media about, oh, they lack experience, they needed experience, look at what they let go. I don't care. All those guys that they let go, they're better for not having them. The only one that I sort of questioned at the time, but again, when it came down to salary cap decisions and keeping your hearses, your feeders, all these guys, was Josh Maguire because he was an Origins-type player and he's still playing okay football. He's playing better football this year under these new rules. His previous season, I don't think he was that great for the Cowboys at all. But to hear Paul Kent and these guys talk yesterday that if Nick Arima was there, he would be a difference maker in the halves, to me, is just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. James Roberts, they oh, they let a quality player go. You let a cancer go, who was affecting the culture they were trying to establish last year in the young kids. You don't want him around those players. Gillette had a neck injury. That's uncontrollable. Yeah, That's no fault of the club. They talked about Jordan Carr. Like Jordan Carr, who couldn't play at the Cowboys where he went. Stop bringing up these players that they've supposedly moved on of great quality. They weren't great quality. Yeah, They were all past it, overpaid or affecting things. Uh, and then the talk about, you know, the year prior to that, they were in the finals and they got wiped by the Dragons, embarrassingly, early week. And that wasn't a premiership roster. For people to think this was going to be a premiership roster, I, I didn't didn't think so last year. To say again that Brisbane don't go through rebuilds, well, if you're going to blood all these kids all at once, well, I don't know you can expect them to win a comp. Yeah, I, I don't know about a rebuild, but I don't see how people didn't think there was going to be some teething problems. Did I think... This year it was going to be this situation. No, I'm happy to admit that it's gone a bit backwards or something's definitely hit and miss. But again, we talk about the top four or five guys or your experienced guys that you want to help lead these young kids are still not guys that were recruited by this regime. Darius Boyd, they were stuck with. This is not his decision. Milford was stuck with him and has now got an option that they can't get rid of. 
McCulloch, again, they don't let him go if they know about Turpin's injury, but $800,000, he's not worth that right now. Jack Bird was not his decision, another $800,000. We're talking close to $3.5 to $4 million worth of your salary cap tied in the guys that you want to be driving your culture and leading your group that you can't get rid of. I'm not blaming it all on that. But again, the amount of bashing and pointing away from the faction just trying to heap all the blame on one person, Seabold's definitely not free of blame. He's definitely got some blame. And I don't agree with the Croft recruitment. I do agree with keeping these group of kids. But the Broncos board has to take some responsibility. Carl Morris... Paul White, Wayne Bennett previously, he's come out today and tried to wipe his hands of a lot of things as well. There's a lot of people that are responsible for the current situation at Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, they're not playing well. Put Plain and very simple. Uh, the concerning thing is the lack of effort. The concerning thing is they they look slow, they look confused. And from a coaching perspective, that's always of a, a big concern. But they haven't really mentioned the fact that they've got Matt Lodge, Corey Pakes, Katoni Staggs, Jesse Arthurs, Jake Turpin, David Fafita, Kahu, O'Sullivan, Bird. Um, they've had Pangai Jr. suspended. So there's a lot of players have also got sitting on the sidelines. Oh. And, you know, you look at Fafita and Staves, I think they could be probably two of the best young players in their position. They lost Bird, who pretty much trained the whole season at fullback. Um, so they're, they're having to persist with some things that, if they had everyone available, that they wouldn't have to persist with in this current situation. The one for me is the Dearden situation. I, yeah, that's, I really don't that's understand persisting with Boyd and persisting with Milford, no. and I don't understand how young Tom Dearden can't get a run. But again, without knowing the ins and outs and how things are operating at the club, what's going on behind the scenes, it's very, very difficult for me to make a informed judgment on that. Um what was really disappointing as a Titans fan was how discredited we were from yeah, winning the great. game. You were great. I thought they played really, really well. Uh, and it should have been a real positive for ja, um, Justin Holbrook and the playing group because that's two pretty good wins over Brisbane and uh, and the West Tigers in the last month. And it sort of dragged us off the bottom of the table. It looks now as though they probably won't win the wooden spoon, particularly if they keep playing that way. There's There's no way that... Canterbury or the Warriors are going to finish ahead of the Titans if they can dish that sort of footy up each week. So, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that it rubbed the gloss away from a good Gold Coast win, but I understand Brisbane, uh, who were booed off the field, are just in a place that they're not used to being in. And I also think they just need to knuckle down and shut up. And I've said this probably two or three weeks in a row. The less talk, the better. And I understand that with losing comes talk and comes speculation and comes blame and comes excuses. But in the end, Seabold's job is to coach, not to deal with the media, not to deal with the expectations that other people outside the club have of the Broncos and not to feed into the drama that they want to constantly stir up. Mm. Uh, the, the plain and simple of it is, is if they win, this goes away. The noise quiets down. And if he's worried about all this noise, he's not focusing on his job, which is to prepare the team as best he can. Well, fingers crossed. They can get a win this week. Turpin comes back for feeder and Staggs in particular because those three straight away... They'll make a huge difference. ...bring a lot of stability, and that's no excuse for the way they're playing. But the Milford situation, I said it to you last week, I, and the Croft thing as well. There I, is there is agendas, like you said. They're massive agendas. Oh, there is massive agendas. But I, I had a couple of people write to us on Twitter, this, that, and the other, and the one that I can't copy is... He can't coach. Like, you don't know that he can't coach. He can coach. He Trust can me, coach. he can coach. Yeah. Like... 
And it's not all the bullshit that the media is peddling again because they keep bringing up that he did some course at Harvard three years ago. Like, that's just another cheap shot or a dislike. But why is that a cheap... Why is that a bad thing? Why no, is it a bad thing to... They keep to, peddling uh, this agenda of, oh, he's just smart and he's good with a slideshow or he can't coach. Like, you don't get to where he's got to if by not being able to coach. Yeah. He served a good apprenticeship. He did a great job at Melbourne. He brought through some really, really good kids. He was highly sought after. He was brought into the Queensland fold by Kevin Walters to help him out on the football side of things. He was brought into Manly to help out. He was brought in at South with Michael Maguire. Like, you know, this situation, like the biggest thing for him, I think you've brought it up and we've brought it up too, he should probably talk less because he's feeding into the media and feeding into what they're probably trying to do. And the ex-player talk, he can't help that. Mm. But to say that he can't coach, he can coach. And sometimes it was what you talked about the other week. As a coach, sometimes you get a group of players you really think, you should do better with, and you just don't. For some reason, they don't buy in, or they don't respond, or things just or don't. Or they're not, pan in, out. not intelligent enough to understand what he's yeah. trying to do. Or, or you so, go, but if, if that's the case, he needs to adapt. He needs to adapt, and that's probably what we're about to say. I can't defend anything he's done on the weekend in regards to the halves picking Dearden on the bench to play nine, and then picking an outside back in Azarco. Yeah. You straight away put yourself in a hole if you got an injury. Yeah, you put extra pressure on a couple of your middles who I know can play big minutes, but you haven't allowed. Uh, any breathing room sort of there. And then they ran out of interchanges and a couple of guys gave the bin. So I don't know also, and we haven't really talked about this the whole way. I'm sure when you get a deal of that size and you're in there that you'd like to think he has full control. But all this talk all the time that Darren Lockie or Paul White, like there's kind of hands here, there and everywhere. Yeah. At, at times I'm like, uh, is he able to drop Milford? Is he really holding on to him because he wants to? Mm. Is he able to drop Boyd? Or have they, I already brought up the other week. It wouldn't honestly would not surprise me for Boyd to be able to retire the year early if Brisbane cut some sort of deal with it to basically say, you finish off this season, play the whole year in first grade, we'll let you go out, you know, yeah. on your own terms. But you're not captain, you're not fullback, you have to retire. Like, they're probably giving him a job they're probably going to pay. I don't know. But well, I he's ju- gone at the end of this year, Boyd. I just think there's more to this isn't situation. He? He's already, yeah, he's, he's gone time. a year yeah. early. Yeah. But they're still not rid of the Milford situation. All the birds. The Jack situation. Bird situation. Like, there's still dead money there Yeah, that's not helping. And guys that are... Again, what we talk about, your top four or five guys need to be your best and most influential players. The money that's tied up in those top few players, whether you agree or not or you're not liking what you're seeing, are not his choices. Yeah. And I'd still stick by that if I was coaching them, I'd do exactly what he's doing with this group of kids. I don't know if I'd make the same selections, but I'd bite the bullet right now and say, I don't care if I've got to dump $2.5 million, $2 million worth of salary cap off. If I was picking this team and if he does have full control, Milford wouldn't be in my team. Darius Boyd wouldn't be on my team, and Corey Oates this week's benched. He wouldn't be on my team either. Yeah, play by I'd, I'd put Dearden in straight away. Azarko, I've said it before, was a junior half. I'd just put him in as a ball running six to pair up with him, or I'd pick him in the centres and push someone else to the wing to get Oates out of the team. I mean, for Feeder and Staggs and those few guys get back in, maybe he gets more scope to do those things. But to say that someone can't coach, trust me, he can coach. Mm. He hasn't helped himself, and I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he's done the last few weeks, but you're hearing all this stuff coming out of there from Carl Morris and Paul White and Wayne Bennett's throwing some things out today, like I said. Some that I agree with, some that I don't. But yeah. this problem, more importantly... I'd say, that, I'd say to be fair, there's some there that probably Seabold agrees with. Yeah. I don't think the, the beat-up is in that they don't like each other. I don't really think that they've worked too much together or know each other that well. I think... They've just sort of crossed paths into two jobs. He might it's be a gone. little filthy that he went up there and got that job, but that's yeah. not Seabold's fault. Brisbane didn't want Wayne. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne should be angrier with the club, yeah, yeah. Than, than what he is with, with Seabold. I know he keeps saying that he can't coach, but 
Uh, there's more friction between um, Demetrio and Seabold. I know there's some issues there, and there's some issues between Maguire and Seabold. Well, I was going to say, and that's the other thing. People go, well, he got the South job. That was an easy roster to win with. Well, why didn't Michael Maguire make the finals the year prior? Yeah. Why did they get there? Oh, Greg English was in the room. Greg English wasn't great the year he was there. No. Sam Burgess was okay. He was the one who finally put Damien Cook in, told him he was going to be an 80-minute hooker and got him ready to go. Don't make it out like Damien Cook was already a superstar. Mm. And last year when they swapped jobs, Bennett got the got South back to exactly the same position as what Seabold did, and Seabold got Brisbane back to exactly the same the position, position as what Bennett did. But we're only talking about one person, which is the point I'm bringing up again. There's an agenda one way, yeah, and all the blame's going yeah, but to one it's, person. It's easy because he's he's young and he's he's losing at the moment. He's an easy target. Mm. Plus. Brisbane, one team, one town. The ex-players are still dirty. Kevy didn't get the job. Yeah, now the I, Lockyer is... addressed that last night, and he said, "Look, I understand that, but yeah. you know, we made a decision that we thought was a good decision." And um, and Phil Gould made a real good point. Uh, I heard a snippet today. He sort of said, "Look, players have got to play. Coaches have got to coach. Administrators have got to administrate. Get all them on the same page. Get them just doing their job." take accountability for what you're responsible for and they'll get themselves out of it, which is spot on. That's exactly what they need to do. Because at the moment, you know, like Carl Morris is having to come out and talk about things in recruitment and yeah. coaching. Don't talk about that. No. Um, Paul White's doing the same thing. Seabold's talking about the board. Like, Be quiet. In the end, the players are talking about Seabold. Just players talk about playing, who, what who, they're doing. Who are the most Coaches talk clubs? about coaches. Roosters. Melbourne, yeah. you don't hear anything around these bits and pieces out of the better clubs and the no, successful yeah. clubs. So, but also that they they don't have this chat around. No, those but they need to just shut this off. Yeah. This needs to shut off yeah. and talk right now. If you stop feeding it, eventually it'll starve. Yeah. And and results obviously results. help that. But results are the number one. They still need to cut all this crap out. And yeah, maybe things. But are I, I look at the, I look at Brisbane and I think, well, if they beat the Warriors and beat the Bulldogs, do I feel like this whole situation is solved? No. no. Definitely not. But I feel like the media will. That the media will go, good. okay, they won. Yeah, they so won it's all solved. It's They they overreact and they underreact. Well, I have the same point with if they beat the Titans on the weekend, like we talked about. If they got this little run going, suddenly they'd be back in that middle mix yeah. and people would be quiet for a few weeks. And then hopefully they get those few players back and they won't knock off. And then they play the Tigers, I the think. South somebody. That. So you don't know. But losing on the weekend certainly didn't help. No. Number one, if It's things... more more the fashion they lost. They, they went, like, it was 22-0 at half time. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, there's some big decisions that need to be made there. Is he? I don't know, to the point we've got to now and the point I was making before, if he really does now have the control to drop those few blokes because I have enough confidence in him as a coach and as a person that I think if he was able to, mm. he wouldn't have Milford and a few of those guys in there. Part of it is the injuries, like you've said, maybe as well, but I really think if he had his way and there was the full roster and the full scope to answer to, that he might get rid of a few of those people. I was looking through the injuries the other day. There's only one team with more injuries than... Brisbane, yeah. Um, the, Bron- the Broncos. There's a lot of troops there and there's a lot of guys not helping, but talk of now Kearney coming in to help or Kevy Wilders coming in to help. Like, again, again. I, I don't think that either of that. Like, one's nah. just been sacked and one was knocked up, knocked off for the job yeah. in the first place. So. And then the argument from the ex-Broncos cartel again is, oh, well, Kevy gave him that start with Queensland. Kevy brought him in for origin assistant and... Club assistant are completely different kettles of fish. Yeah. Completely different kettles of fish. I'm not saying he'd go in there and shark him and he couldn't help out, but again. No, but there'd still be speculation every week, like, well, yeah, exactly. they're, not, they're losing, so just put yeah. Kevy in, he's, he's in there in now. There. Exactly. And you don't want to let the wolf into the hen house, per se. No. And still all the talk again. Well, who, when did Milford play his best football? 2015 when Kevy was the halves coach. Like, they had a good team. 
It yeah. wasn't just Milford. It wasn't just Kevin Walters. There wasn't some magic dust just for Milford to have one good season. He had a good season because Ben Hunt was firing. They had a really good forward pack. They had a good side in general. They made a grand final for Christ's sake. It's yeah. pretty hard not to be playing well in a good, confident side that gets to a grand final. That's not all down to one assistant coach magically making one player have one good season. Yeah. So, more to the point, all the noise, hopefully push through these next two weeks, players, coaches, everyone stop talking, get a couple of players back and hopefully they get some results. But it's just spiralling further and further every week. Mm. Uh, probably the most worrying thing is his comments... The only comments I didn't really want to hear when he started mentioning the deal, the board's decision, if they'd lost... Like, things like that, you don't want to be hearing. That's probably my only big concern when that press conference was on. I was like, wow, is he questioning himself now? Yeah, I think naturally naturally he would be, yeah. So, But I I wouldn't be doing it publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone in that situation would be questioning themselves. Big concerns, but yeah, see what happens with the Broncos situation. There's a lot of people that have got the knives out, um, but again, I think still a lot of what's going on in the media is a bit of an unfair beat-up. I'm not defending some of the stuff he's done, like I said. But my God, they just keep firing bullets at him. Tackle four. Stadiums uh, this week return to most home grounds, which is a great thing. Bit Fantastic, there. Yeah. The only two that won't be basically back in their normal grounds now are the Warriors, who we know are still over here making a push to hopefully get back overseas soon. Some discussions between the governments, and obviously we know that the Warriors are struggling and asking for that to be worked on. I don't on. understand why they couldn't get an exemption. Yeah, well, my only thing is, for the Warriors, when people were saying that some were making out like it was almost a threat, that if it's not done in a couple of weeks, someone would go home. Like, do they think Peter Valenis is gone? Like, they've done well to get the game back on, yeah. let alone tell a country to let the Warriors come back over and forth or let their families come over. Like, mm. there's only so much control or influence the NRL can have. Yeah. Uh, they've done a pretty good job to this point, but Melbourne, obviously you've got the spiky cases down there. They came up with Sydney temporarily, but their feeder club, Sunshine Coast, also have a netball team, Sunshine Coast Lightning, are all owned by the same group, the Melbourne Storm. They've set up a junior base there. They've set up with the Falcons. They've got a ground. They've got a gym. Uh, so they've relocated for now, which is definitely a better situation than being in New South Wales. Good spot to be, so, sunny coast. Uh, they'll be pretty well set up considering it is part of the club or part of their feeder system and Planet Suncorp. Yeah. So they're the only two. Could be a lot worse. Yeah. Raiders back at their ground. Knights back at their ground. Uh, so most people this week will be back in their own stadiums. Good for Raiders fans. They won't have to travel by bus every single time now. Newcastle will get to play. Yeah. The excuses run out now for the Raiders. Yep. And talk about surfaces as well. Campbelltown's obviously now getting a bit of a spell. Bank West apparently was due for some resurfacing after getting through the weekend. So it'll be resurfaced. It's and been done. Up the yeah, it's been done. So, so yeah, some good positive. I'll play there Friday there. and um, the the turf was done today. Yep. Tackle five, point to move on to is more just some player stuff, some rumours and guys moving around and some bits of news. And most of this was sparked that I've got a fair bit here. But then today, the announcement of John Bateman saying that he's going to leave the Raiders. The Raiders obviously sick of the situation that's going on. They heftily outlaid money to get him across here. He's had a very, very good season and he's a good football player. They offered him an extension worth the money he's asking for now and then after making a grand final, they did what any good club would do. They went and shored up their talent. Yeah, He signed with your typical flog manager and Moses who said, I can do better, get rid of your pommy agent, we'll do better. Going back to the club and basically tried to get the same money they already offered him and they'd already spent it. And now the only offers that are coming through are obviously, as we said before, from clubs that are in a lesser situation. So... Mm. Now they've put the pressure on him, basically rightfully so, saying we want a decision. You're either in or you're out. Yeah, I find it interesting that there's so much hot interest 
in him. Well, I, Considering I get what's understand going on now. Because realistically, when he comes to you, what's to say that he's not going to do the same thing in two years' time to the club that yeah. he's going to go to post-Raiders? Or does he I, get complacent because he gets paid? He's I, just had two Titans, shoulder surgeries. I, I, I wouldn't want him. No, he's just had two shoulder surgeries. Yeah. And how do you feel... Like talent-wise, as a player, you're plus going it's on, more yeah. about consistency. Like he's had one good year here. Yeah, now he's had two. And he's had injuries, surgeries. so and it's a huge price to be paying for someone that has those has those concerns, like you said. And that's no disrespect to no. him. I think he's a fantastic player when player. he's on the field. But eight hundred thousand is top of the market. I know yeah. he won the Dalian back row last year in a red hot care. And there's got to be some things that you flag, isn't there? Like injuries is one. Yeah. Uh, how old is he? I think he's mid twenties. Or late. 26, 27, yeah. I'd think, by now. So he's sort of in his but later he's, later 20s. And he's so. also not your prototypical back row. And also people have got video on him this year, and I don't think he would have been as effective as what he was last year. Mm. So and, and again, we talked about it previously. Of other back rowers, genuine back rowers in the competition, if you said to me, he's number one, top of the list, recruit out of all the options, he's not my number one recruit. So I couldn't pay him the 800000 I no. think... 600, 650 is great money for him, which is basically what he's on now. Yeah, and this is where you've, you've got to be very, very clear on how much you're going to spend on players in each position. And now I'm looking at three if he's over, if he's over the mark that you've allocated, yeah, you just say thanks but no thanks. And again, looking at one good season, yeah, not off of the money. About, I saw Cameron McInnes say today they'd yeah. love to have him. Well, but, they're going to have to pay overs as well. Yeah, I, like... What what sort of money do you reckon Tyson Frizzell's on? What sort of money is that freed up? Six hundred, six to seven, and yeah, I think he, they're, I they're talking that you know, Bateman wants eight. He wants he? eight. So yeah, no thanks. And the Dragons made their biggest offer, they say, to Frizzell, which I'm pretty sure Newcastle were up around that seven hundred thousand dollar mark, so they would have pushed there as well. Yeah, I don't know why you'd go in eight hundred thousand for a guy who's just had two shoulder surgeries and is trying to bail on the team he just made a grand final for, yeah. who also outlaid half a million dollars to get him here. I call into question a lot of things on those actions. And again, I, I give him one thing. He was open when he originally said, it's not about anything but my daughter and my family. And I totally get that. Yeah. Well, but that's at the same fine. time, I, I don't want to pay $800,000 on ability but correct, what I've that's, seen, yeah. and two injuries and what he's doing to that club. Who says he's going to deliver for me? Yeah, I think people can respect where John he's Bateman's coming from. Coming from yep. Yeah, but that he also needs to respect that clubs are going to make decisions based on um, their professional judgment. Yep. So, and there's... Two that have been highlighted here, and again, what I said before, is he really going to be happy playing at the Bulldogs or the Dragons the next couple of years? I also, I'd flag his character. And there, that's my whole point about what's happening. Yeah, and that's not to be disrespectful, but, you know, I don't really want someone at a club who has committed somewhere and then said, no, hang on, I can get more money elsewhere. I'd rather go somewhere else. I think I'd rather rather players have a player who's slightly less talented uh, and probably less sought after, but has more loyalty and buy into the club and, you know, whether you like it or not, it does have an impact on club culture. And you could see that through the comments that Ricky Stewart made today around how John Bateman's manager has, um, I guess, influenced this situation and caused issues and agitated, I think was a word that Ricky Stewart used. Yeah, and they got sick of it. He's spot on. Stewart is spot on. And the NRL, I did say this, I think, about a month ago on the pod that, you know, I think once... Valandis gets through, you know, everything that he needs to to handle in regards to the on-field aspect and the referees and uh, just making sure that everything's flowing well. His attention is eventually going to shift to the managers, and it has to, because I'm sick of where the game's at in terms of recruitment, retention, free agency, players just breaking contracts. I love the fact that we've moved into this loan 
style system. Yeah. I think that's a real Beneficial positive for the game. Uh, and I think if we can develop that, it's it's going to lead us only in a good direction. But something really needs to be done in regards to the in- influence that player managers have. They've also been heavily influential in regards to salary cap scandals in the past as well. Um, I also think they should probably limit accreditations. Yeah, no, that needs to be tightened up. We've said it before. I had parents when we were coaching park football come over to me after 13s and 14s games with some random who's just got some coin and sure he loves footy, but he's got no idea. Yeah. And they're at park games looking at kids playing Div 1 Penrith 13 who half of them won't make a mat yeah. side or a rep side. Well, you know, you know yourself, like I've sort of dealt yeah. with a few situations with player managers over particularly the last three years as a head coach at 16s, 18s level and you never hear from the managers to say, hey, mate, you've really got my young fella ticking over really well, like you, you're doing a great job coaching him. You hear... Uh, he's not playing. He's not he's playing. Not Why isn't he playing? Um, he's not playing in the position that he wants to play. He's not playing this amount of minutes. Um, you know, if you don't do A, B, and C, we're gonna you're gonna take him somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're the types of things, the agitations that they try and, I guess, influence. And you know, like I'm I'm as stubborn as all shit, and not, I'm pretty across players and minutes and justification as to why and. You know, at, at times I'll, I'll play a kid who's probably not our best player, but I'll play him over someone who might be a little bit more talented but that's been doing the wrong thing or hasn't been doing what's asked or hasn't had the discipline or whatever it is to make that point. And I won't be budged by a player manager, but there's a, there's some coaches out there who are influenced or some uh, elements of clubs that are influenced. And, you know, I've, I've had issues, you know, within my 10 years across the two NRL clubs where... I've had someone come to me, both as an assistant and I've seen it, um, you know, as a head coach and say, you need to play this player in this position for this amount of minutes this week because of manager A has said that, you know, this will be the the uh, the flow on if that doesn't happen. Yeah, and I've said it to you um, before. And I, and I always just dig my heels in and say, I'm the head coach. I respect your position, but you need to respect mine. Um, if I'm not selecting the team, then sack me. I don't want. I don't want the job. Yeah. Because in the end, I'm going to I'm going to go down, um, and I'm going to be the one wearing the results, and I'm going to be the one wearing the criticism for selections. So at least let me pick the team that I feel as though is going to give us the best chance to win, and also the team who I believe um, are fulfilling what we're asking in terms of expectations and, and culture. And I've said it to you before as well, and I think I've said it once or twice. And I can't name names, but a few guys I played with junior reps who end up playing cup or getting in their old squads in particular when they're at clubs talk about so-and-so has an offer to stay here but then they've told the club that they're going to take him elsewhere unless they re-sign his other player mm. for a bit and they chop into their other players deal and get a little bit here they package players together and yeah. then they dictate like we're talking about Isaac Moses' situation now up in Brisbane a lot of people are going on about our other clubs like the Tigers that he dictated to mm. because it's like well I've got A, B, C, D if you don't sign him, I won't let you have him or there are all three. Like, There's all sorts of shit that managers try to run that they shouldn't be able to. Well, is Isaac Moses is Seabold's manager, is he? Yeah. Well, and look, the at the, look at the deal situation. he got with Seabold. So, he's but whose one. fault is that? Is that is that Moses' fault or is That's that the club's fault? fault? That's right. And again, they've let some of these guys dictate, dictate the situation. Yep. And it's happened with plenty. And I could name a few more managers that... Do similar, but again, you, you can't incriminate names and that, but you hear from players and mates. And, and it's not about that either. No, it's just they a, all know. about... Uh, highlighting the fact that they have too big of an influence, yeah, and something, needs and that to be clubs done. allow 
to a certain extent, themselves to be controlled by player managers. Well, back to the point. Bateman, definitely gone. Uh, smart by the Raiders just to get her over and done with. Let's them move on. He's yeah. injured at the moment. Does he come back in time? I don't know. But now they can persist with Hudson Young. But also now, later in the year, like if Ricky's happy with the two players that are playing back row, yeah, you just say, mate, you're not playing. Yeah, either that or he's just a because I know you're not bench. here. I know you're not here next year. Yeah. So, or he's pure. Sorry, mate. I'll, I'll go with the players that I've I've got. So they'll probably stick with Hudson Young for now. They got Tapine, who they signed. Yep. They'll have him. Horsberg's obviously out, so they're going to have to come up with something there. Does Louis get back in? Does Sutton get more minutes? I don't know, but it's good that that's sorted. But they're under fire a little bit else because the Bulldogs and the Dragons are the two main clubs here after him. But the Bulldogs are also after Nick Kotrick. And the big word is he's not re-signing with Canberra at the present, mainly on the fact that he wants to be a centre. And he comes through the juniors playing as a centre. Mm. And well, Canberra played, played a bit of fullback as well. Yeah, and Canberra, to me, made a poor investment signing Curtis Scott four years, $2 million. Yeah. He's now been dropped this week. So that situation could, in fact, put them in a bad spot now where Canterbury are coming big money, basically saying, you know, we'll want Bateman three years. They're happy to pay the $800,000, and now they're talking about getting Kotrick to play centre and paying him top dollar. So Canberra's under a little bit of fire in that situation. Um, There's also talk now that their board meeting this week, they didn't really address the pay situation, but they're interested in talking to Kieran Foran if he's able to stay healthy for a month or the next six weeks and play okay, potentially about a one-year deal. The Tigers were mentioned to possibly looking at him to bring in somebody experienced, which I found a bit strange, um, given his injury history and, again, money. Wigan was linked to Bateman, as we heard. Would he want to go home? Is that viable, given the situation over there? We don't know. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely some players linked to the Dogs in the last one was that they're also sniffing around Harry Grant. Because mm. for Tigers fans out there, a lot of people have got this misconstrued. Everyone thinks that just if Smith re-signs or stays, then Grant's immediately released. He's not released. He's able to negotiate, and it's not just for the Tigers. It's for anyone in the market. Yeah. So the Tigers aren't going to just get free reign of Harry Grant. If Melbourne still keeps Smith, he still doesn't have to leave. He, they might decide what I'm hoping, that he can play halfback next year, and they keep Harry Grant and Brandon Smith plays utility. Mm. But there's no guarantees there, and smartly, the Bulldogs are monitoring that situation because they definitely need a nine, and I'm sure a lot of clubs, yeah, the few clubs that need a nine, are definitely keen on Harry Grant if he becomes available. So the Tigers won't have it all their own way if Harry Grant becomes available. So no, no, no. It's a reset button, really. They're back to square one. They're 100%. only running him at the moment. And they've got big dollars and those kind of players. Like I can understand wanting to sign Kotrick. Kotrick's a good player. I can understand wanting to sign Harry Grant. That'd be great recruits for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, Bateman, again, questionable on the money for his position. I think, you know, there's other no, guys. I'd, and again, I'd much prefer the other two you pre-mentioned. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, the Bulldogs are obviously in a situation now they've got themselves reset. Tigers are keen on Grant, so we'll have to wait and see there. The foreign situation, David Feed is the big one that's been brought up. You know, Obviously, the Titans have come with huge money. Everyone's saying, why would you want to stay at Brisbane at current? I still don't think he goes anywhere because all the talk is his family's there, his mum's there, he's a Brisbane boy. And now the stuff about his manager that's been coming out the last few weeks, he wants to get rid of his manager. He's got one year to run, and apparently he's not keen to sign a deal any more than a year, apparently, right now, purely because he doesn't want the manager to get any more commissions than what he needs to. Yeah. So the talk is now that they might do a one-year extension just to see out that contract and then renegotiate. So Brisbane may be able to buy this themselves some time here, and I think they've still got themselves in a favourable situation anyway. If he lives at home and he wants to be there, the furthest I, he's um, going to go I, is the Gold Coast. I would love nothing more than to see him oh, in a Titan Of course you would. You'd have him and Tina. <laughs> yep. 
you got two great young well, I think you, you get Dave Fafita, you probably get a handful more. Well, if you've got Tino and him and you probably paid a little bit of overs, you've got a good building block to start with as long as they play well. Yeah. If they play well next year, mixed in with Moiaki, Fortuaki, you've got three of the best young forwards in the comp. But you'd be more looking to next year to say, we need these three guys to spark. If these guys spark, we have genuine reason to get on the market and say, why wouldn't you want to come play with us? Yeah, correct. Come join the 21-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 21-year-old front row who are all yeah, gun players Brimson. in their positions. You've got two gun back rowers or two gun tights back rower. Brimson, if he can stay healthy, like there'd be some genuine assets there, but in particular those three middles. If you're looking at those three middles and they play well next year, yeah, you you've got, got Sammy, three you've got good Kelly, blocks, so. got some good young players. Yeah, there's some guys on the market. Hetherington was another one. He's been alone now. To the Warriors. So Penrith, obviously. Benji Marshall's an interesting one. There's been a lot of chat around that. And and James Maloney. Yeah, well, Maloney, again, has more been mentioned to board meetings. He kind of brought up originally. It'd be hard to get back over here. Uh, he's pretty happy to live there, given the situation. I, I don't know what'll happen there. Is there clubs that could use him? Yeah, there is a few that I'm sure would oh, be interested. Brisbane would love him. Yeah, but I, I don't know if, if anyone's going to be able to get him back in time and change their fortunes in, in such a short is space Is there a potential time. for maybe Brisbane moving a bird or moving a Milford or moving someone like that to a English club for someone like Maloney? I think Bird, no. I think Bird still again. More for next year, I'm saying. Milford. Bird and the manager situation, again, are overvaluing themselves. They're not going to leave that contract and no one's going to take that deal. They've tried two years in a row to come Yeah, but I think, mate, potentially a Super League side would. Yeah, but he doesn't want to get England. He's homesick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look, I'm not... I'm just speculating. I'm spitballing. Yeah. You know, that would probably be their best option. I can't see anyone in the NRL picking up a contract for Jack Bird on the back of, you know, the serious injuries he's had plus his salary. No, Benji was mentioned yesterday. It was going to be addressed tonight on 360. Uh, we haven't watched it, but he's obviously on there about that situation. Apparently that was shot down yesterday, but the talk was Parramatta or the Warriors. A bunch of clubs were mentioned. Then they were talked that his manager was fishing around for big clubs. I'd love to see him go and play at the Warriors for a few weeks until, you know, there's no reason the Tigers couldn't call him back if they got an injury. Yeah, well, the big one after that was that his manager was ringing big clubs like Melbourne, who might need a half, Manly, who are short a half, Brisbane again, like, and he was going to address it tonight. I'm not sure if he would have, but if you're the Tigers, you'd be mad to let him go because you've got no, no backup. they don't have to let him go. Nah, they just loan him. But you've got no backup right now. So whether he's not... The issue would be is, you, you know, you let him go and he goes and gets injured. Yeah. And then you get an injury to a Brooks or so, a uh, Reynolds. For them right now. And the way that Brooks is sort of history and the way Reynolds plays, yeah, Reynolds they're not is... too far away from an injury. You know, just And that's no disrespect to those no. two fellas. But, Reynolds is the main one. He's uh, barely played Brooks, for three years. Brooks usually spends a couple of games out every year. And Reynolds just plays so physically that it's almost impossible for him to not have some injury concerns. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff to digest there. And the last one was Alex Johnston basically told, given cap situation, yeah. that he's probably going to have to move on. I stick by what I've said before, that I think Dan Gagai is on a much more bloated pay packet and playing terrible football, really, at club. So Johnston, in his opportunities, I think has been good. He's uh, always been safe for Seuss. He's never never let anyone down. No, nah, and I, I think there'd definitely be clubs keen to get him. So if he the does same get thing is there, like he's a, he's a junior and, you know, he's quoted as saying, all I wanted to do was play for South for my whole career. That that's that's, you know, to me, it's a first world issue. I, I understand that he's a professional player, but yeah. that, that's where the game has changed, hasn't it? Yeah. That you just force a bloke like that out and go, well, mate, we don't have a spot here well, for you. We all know the last eighteen months, there's been plenty of 
rumours and push to get rid of Gagai. But again, value mm. of contract to who's out well, there. Well, it was almost also that he wanted to go. Yeah, freight as far as what you'd have to chip in. Like, no one's going to do it. So no. they're almost tied to that deal. And realistically, I think that's the big one that'll cost them being able to keep Alex Johnson if they wanted to. Yeah. And Sawali's obviously coming in. Uh, he'll be playing as soon as he turns 18 next year. I've got no doubt about that. is coming down. I think the big move for them as well when they free up salary caps, not going to be getting another winger because they've got Jimmy the Jet, Sawali, Luttrell, Braden Burns. They've got plenty of guys there. Their big thing, I think, is they need one more forward to go along with Arrow. They need another middle. So I don't know where it comes from, but I think their, their biggest spot in the market right now is to get another middle forward to help out Arrow next year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that probably wraps up all the signing stuff or kind of talk around players I've got here in the last tackle in the set of six, the Warriors situation, the coaching thing. Two guys have already been ruled out. Wayne Bennett was linked, which was pointless. He was never going to go over there. Craig Fitzgibbon, they apparently saw it out during the week. He's told the Roosters he won't be going anywhere. He's sticking solid in that situation. So Fitzgibbon's off the table. Sean Wayne was the big one again, who's linked himself to every job since he's come out here and got a manager, who's now the English coach, uh, international coach, and obviously coached at Wigan successfully. He's mentioned himself for the Dragons. Now he's throwing himself up for the Warriors. Would he suit that situation? He was pretty abrasive. Uh, and aggressive by the looks of things and the way he coached in England. I don't know if that would work so well in New Zealand, I, even though they probably do need a little bit of tough love. I I'd, love to, I'd love to see him get the Warriors job. Yeah, he's throwing himself in. If they really want to go somewhere different and not just pick up an assistant, I think he'd be a great signing. Yeah, Brown was obviously linked, as we mentioned. I think that that's not a rebuild job that he'd be able to do over there. It's different to an Australian job, that's for sure. Mm. Um, you know... Peyton's job to lose apparently was the other link. He obviously didn't have the happiest start of the weekend. I will give him one thing, though. I liked his press conference because he didn't pull any punches. No. He basically said as much that, you know, if you're going to be here and you're going to be away from your families, well, what are we doing about it? Like, let's at least make it worth our while. Yeah. If we're going to be here. And right now, you, you're not. Mm. Um, you know? And people looking at the Melbourne guys going in there and talking on the weekend, he looked pretty filthy while that was going on. I... I don't know, but it's at the point yeah, now. I, I don't know whether it was anything against Melbourne. I think he's just probably pissed off about the result of the game. Yeah, thinking I think so as well. Thinking about, you know, what he's going to do next. He might not have been in the mood to hear from... Well, they, know, they would have asked him, so... Bellamy, et cetera, et cetera, which I get. Yeah. I understand that. They wouldn't have just walked um, in the room. But I, I don't think he was disappointed that they were in there. You know, the point I, I made to you was it, it provided that it was done... You know, they didn't just barge their way nah. in and sort of go, we're doing it now, we're not doing it. It, it. You'd like to think that it was a conversation that Bellamy probably had with Peyton or, you know, the general managers or whatever had, you know, what's a good time to come in because we won't have a yak to your boys. It, I could understand Peyton having the shits if they said, look, we're coming in now and he was addressing the team. You know, that that would piss me off as a coach. Um, but I can't imagine that it was nah. done in that fashion. It wouldn't have been so, that way. No way. Um, yeah, I think that Bellamy probably would have asked... Uh, or Smith would have asked, or Hoffman would have asked, because Hoffman's got a history Played there. So my um, my big thing now, and there's been arguments. I think, this it, was, week. I think it was a good good thing. I, I, think I it was don't a see thing any harm in it. I think the big thing here now, the coaching thing's one thing. Who's going to get the job? But number two, a lot of people are saying now, you know, blokes want to go home. Poor Warriors, this that now. Like it's at a point now where, yep, plenty of sympathy for them when they came over here. They got together. I don't agree with the Kearney thing. They're all hurting. A lot of guys are missing their families. A lot were hoping that their families would be able to come here or they'd be able to go back by now. But the situation is, no offence, you're getting paid to play football. You're here. It's not ideal. I agree 100% with what Peyton's saying. You're professional football players and you're complaining about being away from your families or whatever. 
well, make it worth your while. Like, let's do something about it to make our time that we're here for worthwhile. And on top of that, if you go home, you don't get paid. Yeah. You're a professional footballer. Like, there's a lot worse situations in the world. I have a level of sympathy for them, but I'm at a point now where, again, putting all these things together, Oof. play football, earn your money, um, and that's hopefully in a couple of weeks you'll be back. But that's your job. If you don't want hundreds of thousands of dollars, in particular a couple of guys that have been mentioned who are internationals wanting to go home, well, you're not going to get paid. Or someone will take your chair. So, there you go. Set of six wrapped up for this week. Moving on now to our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. There's no one better if you're looking for quality solar solutions. And if you want to know what's worse than your team getting the winning spoon this season, it would be getting slapped with a massive power bill that would put you on edge more than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's solar specialists who are helping families take control of their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact them today, the Penrith Solar Centre, on 1800 20 to discuss how they can make you the real winner this season or jump onto the website, www.penrithsolar.com.au. There's been uh, a couple of systems bought by customers again recently from the podcast, which is great. Um, we both got them. As I've said before, I work in the industry. Things definitely aren't getting cheaper. Summertime, especially here in the Golden West where we are, the bills just pay for themselves. Mm. You've got the sun pumping all day, set the timer on the dishwasher, the washing machine, all those things, let it all happen while the sun's going, flog the ducted air conditioning all day with the system, it covers that for free. Absolute gem. And in winter now, I've just, again, set timers on most things to happen during the day when the sun's up. So yeah. the bills are low as, pay off your system in a couple of years, one of the best investments you'll ever make. And there's no better crew than Jake and uh, the Penrith Solar Centre crew are there. So again, www.penrithsolar.com.au, 1820-2930. Brock, power rankings, number one, who you got? Roosters. Yep, no surprise. Uh, even with a few injuries, they're still number one. They are the team to beat. Number two? Eels. Yep, no changes again. They lost Moses, but they're playing good football. Um, another one of these teams that, you know, it's going to take a little bit to knock them off that perch right now. Number three? Pennies. No different. I've got the Panthers as well. Good signs and still some improvement there in particular with their good ball attack. Number four. Storm. We're identical so far. I'm in the Storm as well. The Munster thing hurts, but again, I think they're going to do enough to win a couple of games and keep chugging along. And we've seen a couple of teams that people were saying look like they were going to crawl over Melbourne, stumble the last few weeks. Yep. So. Number five. Knights. Yeah, I've kept the Knights there. It was disappointing. Uh, well, it's one, one disappointment. I'll, I'll give them, you know, one, I guess... Pass, but yeah. they dish out, They get beat by Manly this weekend. They'll be getting moved. And again, there's still some teams under that aren't exactly kicking the door down, are they? Yep. So, number six. Uh, Raiders. I've left the Raiders solid. Again, it wasn't a great result, but they fought back late. They've had a couple of injuries, but they go home oh, this I thought, week. I thought it was a significant increase in their performance. Yeah, they go uh, home this Eels, week. The Eels, you know, that was a group one, uh, a group one race, and they... Uh, I think they'll be disappointed to lose that one. It's one they probably should have won, but uh, they, they were good. Yeah. And, yeah, I expect them to improve Spark based up. on a few things. You know, like the Bateman situation, yes. Going home, yes. Results, yes. Ricky's, you know, he's going to be riding them hard. And they're going to want to improve. Simple as that. Yeah. All right. Number seven. Uh, the Rabbitohs. All right. Well, I've left Manly there. They were terrible on the weekend. They've got a couple of injuries. But mm. um, for now, I'm holding solid. And I'm going to give some reasons because I'm sure there's going to be some angry Tigers fans at the end. But number eight? Uh, Tigers. Well, I stuck with South there. I thought they were average against Penrith. They didn't help themselves. They're making 18 errors. But my fringe team is the Tigers. The reason why, they lost to the Tigers, right? They beat the Cowboys. They uh, lost to the Titans. Yeah, they lost to the Titans. Yeah. But they've beaten who? They beat... 
the Cowboys, who were diabolical. Yeah. They beat the Bulldogs last night. And the other win the other week, I can't remember. They had three wins so far out of the five. But every team they've beaten is below them. And they lost to the Titans. No offense to you. Yeah. But to me, this week, just purely looking at her, they've beaten those under them or around them. They've beaten no one above them. They got hammered by Newcastle before the break. They beat the Dragons before the break or under them. Yes, they've won more games and they've got themselves up there right now. But much like we've said in the past, they lose these sort of games. The weekend, they did the job they're supposed to do. They won two in a row. South this week. They beat Cronulla. Uh, that, yeah, there you go. And they're under them as well. I want to They see lost them, to the Titans. I want to see them beat someone like South. They almost beat the Raiders, but lost. Yep. I want to see them beat South this week. Um, and then they've beaten Cowboys and then beaten... Yeah. So they all under them on uh, the ladder? The Dogs. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, that, And again, that beat. Titans game still stuck in my head. So I just don't trust them. They're six on the ladder. Yep. But all those wins are teams Four outside. wins, three losses. Every one of those teams outside of the eight or below them. Uh, yeah, they haven't beaten anyone. So, uh, this week they play South, who I think are a fringe top eight side. I've let them stick solid for now. They beat South, easily jump up in. But the big point to me, all the wins of teams under them or around them, no one above them, and they lost to the Titans in a game that just they should have won. Yeah, They should win those games. Since resumption, they mainly have, uh, and that's who I've got them sort of just edging out, mainly beating the Dogs, same as the Tigers. Manly lost to power with that forward pass controversy. Close game. Manly just beat the uh, the Broncos. Um, they were then they then knocked off the Raiders, which was a big win. But they lost Turbo obviously, and then they got rolled on the weekend. I don't expect them to by play the Sharkies. So yeah, look, I, I've got Manly and Tigers. I'd have them next to each other. I'd probably have the Raiders next to them as well. Ah, sorry, the okay. Rabbitohs next to them as well. That bottom three. Those three. Interchangeable. I'd put them all together. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. They're fringe, but that's the only reason why. I want to see them beat someone that's just sitting in the bottom of the eight. Yeah. Beat Manly. Beat a Canberra who's down there struggling a little bit at the moment, which they didn't the other week. Beat South this week. Beat yeah. someone who's sort of in that niche. Well, it's interesting to look at the, the bottom of the ladder. Like, you've got uh, the dogs who are on two points. We can confidently say they're gone. And then you've got one, two, three, four teams who have only won two games. Dragons, Titans, Warriors, Broncos. I'd confidently say right now, if those teams all continue to play the way they're playing it currently, they're not going to make the eight. So that really leaves you with eight plus the eight as it is, which is Eels, Panthers, Roosters, Storm, Knights, West Tigers, Raiders and Seagulls. And then it realistically leaves you with Rabbitohs, Cowboys, Sharks. So it leaves you essentially with an 11-team competition. I'd almost take the Sharks out. or I really can't see the Sharks making the eight. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, pretty, I'd go pretty close to ruling the Cowboys out as well, based on what I've seen. Um, but again, you'd probably just save them, save the Cowboys and the Sharks based on what we saw on the weekend. Because that was top eight form they showed on the weekend, wasn't it? So, yeah, well, that's what I mean. It was um, a sign of life, and we saw two hurdles hit by two teams that people were keen on in Newcastle and uh, Manly. And also the fact that they're all only two points out of the eight. A couple of injuries and have you've brought got, some teams back. You know, so from the Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters on 10, you know, the Sharks and the Cowboys are only two, two wins off them. Well, let's look at it this way. A couple of injuries on the weekend give some chances the next few weeks for things to get real tight in between that middle group there and drag all those teams back together. But essentially we're now, uh, we're one off being halfway through the the season in what would have been our normal season. So, um, 
you know, that you're going to hit that turn a little bit earlier because we're four games shorter than normal. So uh, you're going to have to be up on that 50-50. Yeah. Or, not... Well, at the moment, 50-50 isn't good enough to be in the eight. We don't have anyone who's 50-50. Uh, everyone who's got a positive win-loss record is in. Everyone who's got a negative win-loss record is out. I like that. Yeah. I, I think it's really fair to say you'll play finals if you've got a positive uh, win-loss record and you'll miss out if you've got a negative. Yeah, well, sorry to the Tigers fans, but I've left them just out. But I've, got them, I've got them in, Tigers fans. I'll be interchangeable. They've but got I've got Manly out. Yeah. And people probably get back to bashing me about hating Manly. Well, yeah. It's more me. Power rankings are if they had they played each other right now. So I, I believe the Tigers would beat Manly right now because Turbo's not there. If Turbo's there, I'd tip Manly. Simple as that. Oh, good. Well, there you go. Power rankings done for another week. Moving into reviews of the games from the weekend. First one to kick things off, Panthers versus Souths. Uh, this was weird. Panthers, bit of murmurs before the game that Nathan was going to miss. He had that cellulitis kick out, had a shoulder problem. He had Mansour pull out. But uh, in all honesty, straight away, Souths just didn't help themselves with errors. A couple of early errors, good mm-hmm. ball position for Penrith. Luai gets an error, quick one out there to Naden, score a try, bulk possession, rolling downfield, just overworking the middle. I think the big thing for Penrith was just still struggling inside good ball. They forced it left way too often. They kept getting themselves near the sideline, pushing it into that corner. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of felt for a, a big part of the game that they probably should have scored more points and been more dominant with the possession they had. And in particular, someone asked the other way, are they deliberately giving away set starts on play one too? They did it against Melbourne. 100% there. Yeah. Because they're trying to kill that set and they had Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Happy to give away one or two tackles right at the start. Well, it's more if they lose that ta- initial tackle. Yeah, make Happy sure. to restart to try and win another one. Because then once you've lost the ruck, it's hard to get it back. Whereas yeah. if you just give it up, play one or two. And that's where the... the, the Kick to touch would have you you know you wouldn't be trying to give away that penalty no. if a team could stop and kick themselves out of yardage, but it's more because you can lay all over Iraq, have a set restart, and then the the team who's been given the penalty or the set restart has to play it from that same spot off a slow play the ball. Mm. Well, they almost wasted all their good work. They conceded late uh, in the half to go in at eight six, and you kind of felt mm. the goal kicking obviously didn't help. But I was like, well, given everything they've done, not great. I didn't think Penrith played well at all in this match. I, I was keen on them, and you know, I they were they were one of my two best bets of the week, and uh, I, I was concerned the whole time watching this game. Probably until the last five minutes, I felt confident they were going to win. But they Penrith gave away, made so many errors, and then gave away a penalty on the back of it. it was unbelievable how many times that happened. Uh, an actual penalty, not just a set restart, a penalty where South were just able to kick themselves out of trouble and. It was, yeah, frustrating to watch. South, it's a game that South probably should have won. They had enough ball to win it. They had enough opportunities. South just to win murdered it. themselves they 18 did. errors. Yeah. Um, Latrell, and this is what I said last week, it's not being harsh. We 
praised the two good games, but up against a good opposition, he had a shocker. Yeah. He had four errors. He struggled yeah. badly. James Roberts returns. I know, like we said before, all the best for the off-field stuff, but your first contributions to come off the bench, play 10 minutes, then get put in the bin. Yeah. Like, you know, the guys that you're paying big money to who are supposed to be contributing to you winning football games both hindered any chance you had. Yeah. Adam Reynolds is already looking like he's broken down. He started limping at the back end of the game, which, you know, never helps their situation. And, like, Gagai gets pulled off, which I understand. And now this week they dropped Braden Burns, who I think has been one of their better outside backs. Mm. And Johnston's getting told, like, he's going to leave. Like, Braden Burns, fantastic kid, too. He I also think, same thing we said from the start, I'm not big on their forward pack. I'm really not. That They competed and they tried hard, but against the better forward packs, this is the thing that makes me think they're going to be at the bottom of the eight and they're not a threat for the title. Mm. They're, really they're going not. better than I thought they they would be going, though, South. Yeah, I think their best player by a mile was Sewer. Yo, Every he time, was almost Sewer, best on ground. Luai would have nightmares about him. Every yeah. time he got the ball, he got him a set restart. He was so dominant. He was so strong. Everything just had bad intentions. I thought their bench was pretty good. I thought Sele and Sirenin came on and made a good impact. Again, anything positive that happens with the ball sort of happened around Cody Walker. Yeah. Um, but again, too many errors in their back five really didn't help him out. The crazy thing for me is, for Penrith, the most disappointing thing in a really, really bad game is most importantly they won, which is what you need to do. Yeah. I thought Nath had a really, really good game. Uh, Fisher-Harris, awesome as always. Naden certainly showed, you know, well, I, I, I honestly thought that between Farah and Mansell, one of those guys would get pushed out for Crichton, Naden, etc., um, you know, it's good to have players, you know, they're ready to take a spot. So Naden certainly did himself no harm there. But, well, Api Coruscant again also just through the middle of the field. But oh, I, I don't know. I, I look at it and think if you play that bad, make some errors, don't take your good ball opportunities. The most disappointing part is at the end when you concede when they had 11 on the field. Mm. With th- I know there's only 30 seconds left, but you don't want to concede to try with 11 blokes attacking you. So, yeah. yeah, not a great night, but they won. They won. They had some trying circumstances. Uh, and probably the summary of South night, besides the errors, was how piss poor that Edwards try was. Mm. Like, just people falling over each other and he walked through. That was soft. Yeah. So, yeah. Moving on from that one. Storm Warriors, 50-6. to six. I don't think I need to really say anything. Um, well, Warriors were good for the first 15. They were probably the better side. They attacked the Melbourne's right edge. Of the game? Oh, left edge, sorry. Profusely, but Melbourne did scramble well. well. both edges. Man, Melbourne pushed them over the sideline on both edges. Yeah, but in particular, they really went after Olam, who's got a bad habit of coming in and leaving them short. Uh, they found one try through Herbert, but basically after that little grind-out period and not getting enough points, just spiraled out of control. Yeah. Once there was a try to Melbourne, it just opened up the floodgates completely. Um, it was a training run. It was 22-6 by half time. They just started rolling through the middle. Second half, even without Munster, they go on to score another 28 points. Smith playing at seven and Brennan going to number nine, I thought worked out great. Um, I think it's more bringing me back to what I said to you. For next year, the Harry Grant thing that keeps floating around, I think you can make all of them fit. If the Storm don't have a halfback and they're not sold on Cooper or Jax who are both there on one-year deals and they can't get, say, a Tom Dearden, I honestly am sitting down, ringing Harry Grant and bringing him back. And he's got ties to the club and he's got ties with some of those guys. And I'm saying, you're the number nine. It's your jersey. Brandon Smith, as we said before, said he doesn't care if he has to play nine. He just wants to be playing there. He's getting big minutes as is. You can keep him as a lock or a utility off the bench and give him 50, 60 minutes. If we don't have a halfback next year, I'm happy for Cameron Smith to play halfback. Mm. But it's obviously going to take maybe a reduction in salary. And I'm sure at this point in time now, again, people say that 
you know, he owes nothing to the club, this, that, and the other, but almost 20 years. I'm sure he's been paid generously the whole time. I would love for him, if we don't have a halfback, to stay on as the seven to allow Grant, Smith, all those guys to play in there off Pappenhausen, but it's obviously going to have to be on a reduced rate. I may have my head up my ass, but from a Melbourne perspective, from a recruitment perspective, that's what I'd be looking to do next year if we can't get a halfback and if Harry Grant was coming back. Yeah, I agree. To fit everyone in, but for the Warriors, I don't even know where you go from here. Um, they've crashed Well, you go to training and you, you Bloke, stiffen up your yeah. defence. Blokes want to go home, apparently. Like, it's there's, there's nothing good coming out of there right now. Firing the coach, I still think, was a terrible decision and hasn't helped their motivation anymore. Uh, they need to find a reason. And it should be more what Todd Payton said. Like, you're talking about family and being away. Well, like, are we just here wasting time, are we? Like, make this suffering worth something. Make this worth something. Yep. So, they're going to have to dig deep. They get a few players back this week, but from Melbourne, I can't take much out of the scoreline. They beat an inferior opposition whose head is yeah, just... Yeah, and when, they, when they had a crack, they were mat- matching blows with Melbourne yep. as well. So, moving on from that one. Roosters Dragons, 26-12. Great comeback. 10-0 after a good start where you're looking at it going, well, you know, if you're the Dragons, you're probably a bit disappointed. They've gone set for set and they're showing plenty of energy, but the Roosters just showed their class. Like, Martin, goes back to fullback. The bomb that he caught and threw that flick pass with was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And then the Morris one was just a simple situation where they're on their line there. Lomax kind of came up and Saab's held on his line, and we've said it a million times before. If you're on your try line, there's only one way to go. You've got to come forward. If you stand flat, you're just begging for someone to score on you, so... You know, you're sitting there going, all right, they're in big trouble after that little period where they were in it. 10-0, things aren't looking great. And next minute, Radley blows his knee out, non-contact injury. Literally, as Freddie Fittler was saying on the TV that he's out with an ACL injury, Verrill's in the little corner cam, blows his knee out. Mm. Suddenly, they're down to 15 players. It completely changes your interchange plan. And, um, you know, it, it gave the Dragons a sniff. That energy stayed. They got a little bit of ball. They've come after him. Liu's playing with broken ribs. Friend's not getting a rest. He gets put straight into the game after they're looking to give him some time out. Corden's head got busted open. The Dragons could smell blood in the water. They certainly came back to the field, didn't they, the Roosters? Mm. But uh, the what amazes me and, and why I have so, such admiration and respect for the Roosters as an organisation is within 15 days, you've seen them win in three, three different ways. Yeah. You see them against Parramatta. Different teams, different Just points. get pun- punched up and... Really getting that physical game. They lose Tedesco, but they, you know, bounce back and win that game in the final twenty. They roll into Monday night, which was a rescheduled game against an inferior opposition. They just take care of business. They're clinical, uh, you know, and then they run into this game, um, and you know they lose two players early. Um, they're without Tedesco, so um, I think. Sorry, I think it was a Bulldogs game was first, then the Eagles game. So I got them out of order there, but. Um, nonetheless, it was three games in in fourteen or fifteen days, which was just a credit to the organisation. Like you said, they've got guys carrying injuries. They've had um, short turnarounds, and there's no, no excuses. No, other, any other side in the NRL, I reckon, at half time with two ACLs oh, um, and that... and guys bust all over the field. You got your best player in the Dalian running Dalian medalist out. Josh Morris didn't play. Yeah, they rested Morris Nat out. Butcher. He wasn't dropped. They rested yeah. him because he's got niggles. You know, so, they they could have easily folded and just said, look, this is a game or lose, boys. Yeah. But no. They didn't. They Professional, didn't. and they just got it done. They caught that adjustment period there where they were a bit rattled. Uh, Hall made a bad read where he came up to no man's land. Dufty threw an absolute corker of a pass. Some of yeah. his ball playing the last few weeks has been great. Not long after, he threw another corker there where 
they were stripped for numbers, and I think Tupac just didn't follow up, and Lomax hit a hole. Yeah. So 10 all, um, you know. Rooster second half responded straight away with that no try where Morris was obviously caught in front of the ball, but they do what they do. They they found the most important football in the last 20 minutes. They knuckled down. They got the penalty goal. Uh, and then Kiri, who I think is the best half in the comp right now, just took control of the situation. Yeah, They had a play where they were shifting right, got an offload. He swung back to the left. The negative side defense was actually pretty good for the Dragons. They stayed up, but he just caught the winger out and put a beautiful kick in behind. Not long after... You know, throws a dummy last play when they're all drifting across and had their hips turned out and just beats a couple of lazy middles to score and then ices it with another kick there to Morris who just goes up and wins the contest and they blow the game out in the end. And Back to what you said. Different fullbacks, different forwards, resting their hooker, playing their hooker, lose Radley, lose Verrills, Cordner gets a head knock, no Tedesco, no Morris, no worries. Just too good a football side. Yep. Nat Butcher getting a rest. Collins... And JWH rotating to have a rest. Tokiaho missing a few extra games. Corden missing time at the start of the year. Like, even with these injuries, it's going to put more pressure more on the hooking situation that there is quality in this roster. They won't probably rest and rotate as much anymore, but they've still got options, particularly in their forward pack, to be able to rest and their back line. The hooking situation, maybe not so much anymore, but I reckon there's still going to be some games moving forward where if they're healthy, they may rest a Morris for a week or they may still give a Collins or a JWH or whoever different amounts of game time. They've called back Poasa Famasuli, who's had a couple of good games to the Warriors now, which just helps their situation because he hasn't been sitting there for four weeks. I have no doubt they'll adjust. This does hurt them. I'm not denying that. It definitely hurts them. It hurts their hooking rotation. Radley's a big piece, but if there's anyone who's going to adjust, it's this squad, it's these players, it's this coach. Yep. Dragons fans, you got the two wins you should have got against lesser opposition. I thought they'd take some positives out the other night. I really do. I thought they were at least competitive or they're up for it. They, they got dust in the last 20 like just about anyone does. The big thing is this week. They have to back up two good weeks of football and some signs of life against the quality opposition, which hopefully breeds some confidence because I saw Lomax and a couple of guys who I didn't think were playing well show some confidence against the Roosters. They need to play this week well against the, Dra- uh, the Raiders. That's the, this is the biggest week for me to judge how the Dragons are going to go for the rest of the season. But... Uh, for them, Dufty was pretty good again. McInnes, Frizzell, a couple of those guys were okay. Hopefully they take that confidence. For the Roosters, their two front rowers were outstanding. They played huge minutes after that rotation kind of got ruined for them. Um, you know, Morris was excellent. Again, Manu at fullback. I messaged you saying the same thing. If you gave me the list of the starting fullbacks in the competition tomorrow and then said Joey Manu was on the market as a fullback, I'd take him again over probably 10 of the fullbacks in the competition. Yeah. And then I'd throw him in the pile with your Tedesco's and those few other guys. Like, he's such a good footballer. And again, accepts his role, sits on that right edge, does what he needs to do, but he goes so unnoticed just because he's in such a good football side. Yeah. Um, he was great. Uh, and then Luke Keery, just, he, it's his team now. Absolutely. Like, I know, and I said again, it always sounds like Hayton used to be about it because of the Storm thing, but to me, they don't win either of the grand finals without Luke Keery the last two years. I honestly think he is now he's the he's the half he's the one in the competition. He's unlucky he hasn't played Origin yet and probably more rep football because every yeah, time I, it seems to roll you know, around, I he gets could hurt. say the same thing about Tedesco. But yeah, you say the same thing about Cronk. You could say the same thing about a whole heap of players that they've got there. They're, they've just had fantastic players, but they're very well coached. They're and they're a team. Yeah, That's the biggest they thing. Are you a can team. Talk about all the shit you want about the players they got in salary cap. They're a team. They are a good team. They very much so are. Uh, Cowboys, Newcastle, 32-20. Uh, 
Uh, they made it more respectable in the second half, but it was done at half time. Uh, I did not see this coming. Do you call it an ambush? Do you call it a lapse in judgment? Was it all the Cowboys? I don't know, but all I know is that they were blown away. They were very, very soft defensively, which was the one thing I looked at the last few weeks and since they restarted the season and thought they've turned that completely. Um, there was way too many holes, missed tackles, drop ball, like offloads. And the other thing as well, just forced passes and unnecessary pass, like Pierce at times, putting guys into spaces, pushing the ball. Second half, you pointed out, like if they wanted to hold it and roll, they could have. But they, did, they just forced the issue once they were down. Mm. And the Cowboys, to their credit, they turned up, like Tamalola was massive again and the real reason for it, but the forward pack got behind him. The young halves were able to play dominant and get on board, so clearly Green said something or they bought in and sparked up a bit. Uh, Robson was dominant to the middle. Clifford had one of his better games. Uh, I have to give credit where credit's due, but Newcastle, I was super disappointed. I really was. They were diabolical, yeah. 26-0 at halftime. The game was over, and... They got beat to the jump. They had a little bit of possession early, but didn't score. Uh, and then just some defensive lapses, too many errors, too many penalties, too many set restarts. Lack of enthusiasm. They got rolled through the middle. Simple as that. Well, it's one of those ones where, again, you, you hope it was just, a, oh, yeah, you know, we're doing well. We're going, you know, we're ticking along. This will just happen for us. And it definitely did. Hopefully, it's just a blip on the radar. Mm. But you could see Adam O'Brien certainly wasn't happy. And, Good to see some signs of life out of the Cowboys because, like we said, as much as people are saying, you know, Green might be done or the voice is older at start, like it's a pretty good playing group there when you want to go through the roster. It still is a pretty good playing group. Yeah. Definitely still needs some turnover, but the last few years they've brought players in and they should be doing better than what they are. So we've seen some signs of life. We need to see it again this week. Uh, also, good tactics, I guess, isolating Ponga. They didn't want Ponga to dictate terms or restart the sets they just put the ball in touch made him start from a set start and didn't give him any broken play yeah um so it was hard for him to influence himself in the game but for them uh you know a couple of guys were still okay clamor still had a pretty solid day fitzgibbon on return had a pretty good day um but yeah everything was the cowboys way tom Lolo, huge again halves had a better day robson's been excellent coming to that ruck uh all around just much better energy and effort by the cowboys in general so let's hope they back it up yeah Titans Broncos, twenty-two zip at halftime. Uh, wow! I, I, I again, similar to you, got to give more praise to what the Titans did. I thought the Titans really made a point of being that smaller side to not get bashed, to not get bullied, not get pinned in corners. Anytime I felt the Brisbane were starting to try to tee off, they just did an early shift out of yardage. They shifted well. They moved the point of attack. They weren't afraid to move the football and try and wear out those big middles. Uh, I thought. Taylor had one of his better games. Fogarty, again, I've got to give credit to, controlling the side, taking that pressure off him, and uh, Fotuaka. What a play. He's absolutely outstanding. He's uh, a gun. Ash Taylor was really good, I thought, in this game. Uh, credit where credit is due, Jimmy. Yep. Uh, Corey Thompson has been a fantastic addition. Uh, and, yeah, Fotuaka. Joy Arrow. Kelly, better game again. Yep. They're like, I just think all around the adjustment, even like guys like Proctor and that, that I'd question the way they've been playing. There was energy, there was enthusiasm, um, and there, there was Don, a bit of a difference. The Don yeah. coming in, uh, they, they were just far better. They executed better, they defended their line well, uh, probably more disciplined as well. They look free though, like the way they move the football and yeah, played. They're playing footy. It suits the way they should be playing with the roster they've got. They shouldn't be burrowed down in structure and trying to play, like just let it loose. Yeah. And, and it worked out for them. They moved Brisbane around and they, they played to their strengths. they got a couple of guys there that can move the ball. 
was well done. And on Brisbane's side, it was more what we said. Hard to watch. Too many errors which and discipline and penalty. Like their completion rate since this restart has been disgusting. Mm. Like it's one thing to say they look confused, they're not playing well, they're tired, and their forwards are struggling. Well, you can't be in a game when you're just getting flogged in the penalty count and you can't hold the football. Like at stages there, it was down to fifty percent completions. Yeah. You you do not have a chance in the NRL level if you complete at fifty and sixty percent most weeks, which is all they've done and their discipline's been horrible. Correct. Um it needs to improve. Oates and Coates, just rhyming again here, like Dr. Seuss, six errors between them. The halves, I know a lot of people again saying it's not their fault, it's everyone else's fault. I still disagree. A uh, hard night for Tessie New to play You know his first game starting at fullback. He's a very talented kid. He's going to have much better days, but definitely wasn't a great night for him. And just those few guys again, your Boyds and a few guys that just aren't up to standard. He set himself on fire as well, picking two guys on the bench, you know, a back and a halfback and leaving himself short to the point where when those guys got put in the bin, he also didn't have enough interchanges left. So um, Seabold, obviously some questionable decisions as well. And I think did and still not in the lineup this week as a half, which I still totally disagree with. And I have genuine worries for him now. I really do. Me too. Yeah. I, the, the, the best thing for Broncos is who they're playing in the next two weeks. Yeah, well, the bottom two I thought teams. that last week as well. No offense to your mob, but... No, yeah. we're a better team than those two at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, something needs to change. They need, they need some players back as well. They need stags. Yeah, stags they need, they need feet feet uh, I thought Glenn was outstanding. He really tried hard. Haas is always... I know a lot of people are saying he's gone backwards. I don't think he's gone backwards. I think the team is definitely hurting him as much as uh, anything. He, he's still going well. But for your mob, yeah, very, very impressed with a lot of guys. There, there were some really good players there. Um, good signs. And hopefully Holbrook keeps getting these sorts of efforts out of the Titans. Eels, Raiders, 25-24. Ripper game. Belter. Really rip a game. Early bit of dominance there by Parramatta. They looked like they turned up to really give it to them. They teed off on their forwards and they got stuck into Horsborough in particular. Ended up with that horrible injury and had that emotional spillover when he knew that his foot was busted. Flipped off a couple of the corporates and some cardboard yeah. cards. The poor bugger. Um, but for Parramatta, all that early dominance, they didn't bank enough points. Canberra, late, get a couple of tries. First, and they lost was, Moses as well. Yeah, late in the half. They First, it was just a poor read. Uh, I think it, I can't remember who it was now. Someone popped out of the line and Papali just walked over. It's now really, really bothering me. No, it was Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown just shot in, didn't need to. Mm. Papali walks through a gap and then late. We, I was, I, we were sort of talking about it while watching. They were so, um, that that side with Jennings, who was who was inside Jennings? Is it Brown? It's Lane, Jennings and Brown. Yeah. The, the gap between... Uh, Brown and Jennings was massive. Yeah, Jenko was very passive and lazy, like turned sideways. He's just not tying, not trying staying to connected to his inside man. So Brown was probably overly aggressive. In yardage, you can sort of, while the team's coming out of yardage, you can sort of understand it, but in goal line... Yeah, can't do it. You need to be connected got on the inside shoulder. Um, so that got him, and then late, again, anyone complaining, sorry for Parramatta about forward passes, uh, you got away with probably that one in the Manly game, so... Yeah, they got nailed on one. They got that one where Canberra probably threw a forward, but it was a nice piece of play with a good set of hands and a kick back inside. So they let it at half time. But it Paramount, wasn't probably forward, it was forward. Yeah. To Paramount's credit, though, they fought back. Moses off the field. Another one of these ones where you look at it and go, okay, let's see the response we get. Reed Marnie comes up with a nice crafty bit of play there. He gets the defender in Whitehead to bite out of the line and puts Raymond Stone through. Uh, then later on, they just play down that edge that everyone's been having so much success with. And Curtis Scott, again, had a Barney of a night. Him and George Williams are the edge that a lot of people have been picking on, and they come up with five and six misses between them. 
Gutherson laid one on for Sevo. Sean Lane just batted Curtis Scott all night, got an offer there for Jennings. And 24-12, we thought they're home here, but uh, fell asleep, really, didn't they? They pulled a couple of props early. They pulled off Paulo. RCG, possibly, as well. Williams got a nice kick to Charns, and then next minute, Wonga Blake just gave up his inside shoulder, and before you know it, 24-all. Yeah, like, I sort of said it to you when we were, again, we were watching it. Like, I think he's taken Paulo off early here, and sort of, you think, well, you know, is it is it is it too early? And it turned out it was. They still should have defended a lot better and not switched yeah, off Parramatta. Definitely. But, uh, Canberra, to their credit, jumped back into the game. Uh, and then there was a couple of chances late as well before um, extra time. I Didn't Gutherson have, have a shot in normal time? It was, wasn't it? Um, and missed it. And then he got was one from one in Golden Point. But uh, no, I think he missed both in Golden Point. Was it both Golden yeah, Point? both Golden yeah. Point. One was late, so it wasn't a big thing. Yeah. George Williams tried to snap that one from 50. It was no hope. Yeah. Um, then they had that roll-up field there and... Everyone was offside when Gutherson hit that one, so I thought he did well to kick the second one, to be honest. But yeah. as usual, the referees, the whistle just disappears in golden point. Yeah, oh, yeah, there was so, nothing. Done oh, very well. Ashley Klein stuck it in his pocket. But yeah, considering, there's still little things about, uh, you know, the performance for Parramatta where, you know, they're on top, let the points up, pull themselves back in, but then blew that lead. There's some still worries there, but the main thing is they found a way to win. Yeah. And without their halfback and Mitchell Moses. So. Exactly. Their front rowers were huge, and I'm the first person to eat humble pie. I said it when Campbell Gillard was at Penrith that the contract was terrible. He wasn't worth that money, and, you know, to take that deal on, I know that they're chipping in some of the money, but Parramatta, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a mission to turn him around. But if he plays anything like he played on the weekend, again, moving forward, he's going to be worth the money. So sometimes it changes well, as good as a holiday. Interesting in this game, RCG got voted player of the round by some people. Didn't even get the Dally M point. Did not get a Dally M point. Yeah, well, Gary Belcher, I tell you what, he had his Raiders helmet. He gave on. George Williams two, two points. And he gave one to Hodgson. Or, or vice versa, he gave two to Hodgson, one to Williams. It was unbelievable. Got the three, which again, he chipped in for two tries. He did kick the winning field goal, but Paulo yeah. was awesome. Madison was awesome. Campbell Gillard was huge. Sean Lane, like. Look, I think the two props yeah. and. Gutherson, I you know I could cop that. Yeah, but, but even Madison and Lane were better. Unbelievable. I and for Canberra, they weren't even Canberra's two best players. Or well, Dylan Brown, throw Dylan yeah, Brown. The Canberra's two best players were Elliot Whitehead and Chance. Yeah. And Papa had two hundred plus and a try. Like he was awesome again as well. Not sure whether Gary Belcher watched so, the game. I think he's just done the old typical pick couple of the spine players because that's the easy way. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I don't know. Summertime. That's this is one thing about the Dalian Medal though. You look at some of the voting. Sometimes. What's well, polish? Shit. Like if if. Campbell Gillard can't get three there. When's he ever going to get three? He didn't get a point. Unbelievable. Didn't get a point. Yeah. Crazy. But good signs for Parramatta, the fact they'll be able to fight back. They still would like to not have those patches, though, where they switch off, come into it. Definitely. Their back row was awesome. Their front row was great. Brown was good once Moses went off. Gutherson obviously stepped up. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things to like. And obviously moving forward here, we'll see the next few weeks. Hopefully Dylan Brown step up even more. And yep. Drive Field showed some... Uh, Moments at the Dragons, but he's got an opportunity here to, you know, play some football behind a dominant pack, hopefully, mm. and show his wares. He probably hasn't been able to play in this situation before, so he's coming into a pretty good one. And, uh, yeah, Raiders, Horsburgh, Hurts, to Pine, hopefully back this week, and Curtis Scott, the axe is finally forward. I've looked at that while we're on here. He's been awful so far. More try causes, a lot more misses than most people in the comp. Uh, this week on the bench. They've got Oldfield in that centre spot. So mm. they've made a $2 million investment and given him a deal after Melbourne flicked him. And so far, 
Uh, I don't think they'd be feeling too great about it, and I think they'd be feeling even more itchy now considering their possibility of losing Kotrick because of it as well. Mm. So the old Raiders, not working out too well in that situation just yet. Sharks Manly, 40-22. Reshuffle late to put Garrick in a fullback. Uh, Elliot in the centres, I, I didn't agree with that. No, no offense to Garrick. I thought Elliot showed last year he was good in that, and it kind of panned out that way. Why they weren't great defensively all over the park, in particular their edges where they're usually so good and, and aggressive. I think he got caught out a couple of times at fullback. Uh, I thought Elliot would have been the better choice there, but in general, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was more them or Cronulla, but Cronulla were red hot. Cronulla reignited more what we've been asking to see. Johnson had one of his better games. Moylan, ad-libbing, float around the field. That right edge that was so dominant last year in patches when we saw those two playing together. We had both the halves in Townsend uh, and Johnson swinging to the same side of the field and linking up. And for the first time this year, I saw genuine go for it. In particular, Ueli really, really sparked up that middle, which brings in Braley, who's a crafty number nine, who hasn't had much opportunity, and he had one of his better games as well. Yeah, it was their better, best performance of the year, wasn't it? They were great. Um, they kicked them to death. They put in some real nice kicks. Their shifts were great. Their right edge in particular, like we said, was really, really dangerous. But Sean Johnson finally showed some good signs, and it was good to see the halves linking up and Moylan having some influence. First time he's played back-to-back games in a long time as well. Um, if they keep those guys on the field, and in particular the forward pack, and get a roll on, that's the main thing that was missing the first few weeks. If you've got no roll forward and you're making errors and you're playing poor and you've got no energy, the spine's got no hope. But Ueli in particular on the weekend, I thought was the real spark for the rest of that forward pack and just had a flowing effect. They really sparked up. And, and, and I'm happy more for the fact of, again, I think John Morris is unfairly under pressure. Again, another coach in a situation that's not his doing. So I hope they keep playing well for his sake. Yeah, but for Manly, I more took out of it. Again, everyone's saying about Turbo. I think everyone's forgetting they had two quality nines who are not there anymore. Like you lose Turbo, yes. You're missing Walker, but last year... Besides that point, they had two nines that would start for most teams in the competition. Yep. They both brought different aspects, can manipulate, can ball play, work the ruck, free things up, roll downfield, push through, and just take a lot of pressure off the halves. On the weekend, the game was solely on Cherry Evans. And with Turbo out, Walker out, where he had some help, which took away from Levi. Yeah, it's easy. The glaring, yeah, the glaring thing for me on the weekend wasn't so much Levi. It was the fact that without those other guys there, the fact they had two ridiculous nines, and now they have neither of them. So, yeah. um, Levi's been doing his job, but, you know, they're certainly hurting more than just Turbo not being there. Let's Absolutely. put it that way. And yeah. I'm looking at your Penrith situation, and they're loving having Arpy, and I'm sure if they knew the Manasi thing was going to happen, they wouldn't have let Arpy go. But that was done well and truly before Arpy, uh, sorry, the Manasi situation came about, and I don't know what the, the circumstances are there. Basically, haven't heard a thing for a long time. Yeah. But I'm sure they'd love to have him right now. Oh, yeah, 100% they would, yeah. Two guys who were really, really good for them, though, despite the result. Adam Fanua Blake has been exceptional, and Sirenan. Sirenan's been really, really good last year, and he's been playing really, really good again this year, but definitely wasn't expecting to get beat in the fashion that they did. So see how they bounce back this week, and on the side of things for Cronulla, hopefully they continue that form and those halves, get that platform, they play some good football, and Man Katoa can finish. <laughs> can break a tackle too, that bloke. Yeah. But, yeah, some good football there that we saw from them. Uh, see how they dish things up this week. And the last one we got here, Tigers-Dogs. Uh, wasn't a great game, in all honesty, to watch. Scrappy first half. Tigers' errors didn't help themselves. Dogs do what they do best, 12 from 12, but they didn't really look that dangerous. Losing hot water early really hurt. 
Foreign put a nice kick in there. He caught, you know, Dewey out of position. They got an early try, but at the back end of the half, the Tigers were gifted some opportunities and they took advantage. Drop the ball off a kick. Grant picks it up. Good effort to score. Drop a bomb. McIntyre picks it up. Pass it to Lau. They get two tries for free. And then right on half time, another dog's error off a scrum play there. Somebody misses a tackle. I can't remember who it was around the legs and they little barges over. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, 16-6, we talked about when we watched the game the other week with the old man. For the Bulldogs, basically to me, when you get out to three tries, they're done. Because they struggle to come up with two to three tries every week as is. Yeah, correct. Second half, it just completely turned. The Tigers found some confidence. The errors disappeared. They offloaded. They dominated possession early in the game and the Bulldogs just cracked under the pressure. They found some tries. They played free. They were off the back of Harry Grant who was just running and pushing through the ruck. They got the perfect halves to play with Harry Grant. You got guys in Brooks and Reynolds that had just float off him, play off momentum, play off those offloads. Their right edge looked good. They got more ball out there to Lealua and Nofaluma, who I don't think there's a winger that generates more ruck momentum or opportunities and broken play in the comp for their team. I think if Nofaluma's not playing for the Tigers, they struggle. Mm. He generates a lot. The game was there. closer than what people would probably in the first half, see. Just the Bulldogs can't score. No. Nah. Their effort's fantastic. Um, they just lack cattle and they lack offensive productivity. And the Tigers just took advantage of that. They they absorbed when they had to absorb possessions of peri- uh, periods of possession, and when they had their opportunities, they took them. Uh, yeah. And the, the the Bulldogs are just gonna they're gonna struggle while ever they're relying on teams scoring less than eighteen points because that's all they can really generate offensively. Yeah, and we saw it again. Hopewade brings some spark and foreign helps, but they also don't have enough in the pack to generate offloads, second plays, or put enough damage into a team in the back line again it's solid but it's not outstanding they yep. just got a team of goers they show up and they have a crack every week but there's not a whole lot there points wise or to break open again um, Tigers would take a lot out of that second half but yeah the first half errors late by the Bulldogs gifted them a couple of those opportunities Grant uh, he's obviously been outstanding Nofaluma was huge again Brooks Leilua um, I also like the fact that they split the Leilua brothers up they had Luciano playing in the left-back row spot, and they had Joey on his typical right-hand side. I think it's a good thing not to have them together. Yeah. Because early weeks, we obviously saw that poor defensive edge. They had the two Leilua's and Benji, who all defensively are quite poor. They've done a good job now spacing him out, but also for their attack. They've given themselves two dangerous edges. Well, most points have scored all year. The Bulldogs is 22 in a game. Yeah, there you go. That's their only win, um, and the closest to that was 18 last week when they got beat by two by Cronulla. Yep. There's uh, not enough offensive production, particularly in the way that the game sped up. I think you need, you know, it probably used to be 18 points was around about what you need to win a game. Now it's probably up near 24. Yeah, true. There's an extra try at least a week now. Yeah, you think way. so. But I think for the Tigers, good signs for this spine. Grant's made a huge difference. Reynolds has obviously brought a different energy, more running, more offloads uh, defensively and kick chase. Great energy. <laughs> yeah, and Dewey's developing nicely as well. But uh, yeah, I also like the addition of McIntyre to the bench. Big fan when I watched him in a couple of the last few years. I think he's been handy to come into that side. And, and there's some good signs there from the Tigers. But as I said before, all the wins are teams under them. And they've lost to the Titans. So I want to see them beat somebody. Yeah, above them. This week in, you know, they're playing the Panthers. It's a big ask. But in the next few weeks, if they play a couple of those teams in the out, I need to see them beat somebody above them. I really do. Yeah. Until I'm convinced. They're in the eight now, yes. But they have to beat somebody above them. Yeah. They really do. 
And that wraps up the reviews from the week. So now on to our tips, Brock, and some bets. Last week, uh, both tipped five. So same again. Uh, you're on 39. I'm on 37. Multi, Panthers, Eels, a winner. A couple of good tips a few weeks in a row there. So there's some value if the punters have been getting on board. But kicking things off for this week, things start Thursday night uh, in the NRL, and that is the Melbourne Storm up against the Sydney Roosters, which, again, would have been an absolute ripper if everyone was full strength. But unfortunately, that's not to be the case. Some changes, but no doubt we're still going to see a quality game of football. But looking at these two lineups for the Storm, no Munster. So Riley Jacks comes back into the halves. Cooper Johns, as you mentioned earlier, is named at 18. Is there a possible late reshuffle? We'll have to wait and see. Um, If Smith or the two Smiths reshuffle and someone's out or Cooper Johns comes in. But on the Rooster side, friend back to starting at nine now that Verrills uh, is out. Nat Butcher comes straight into lock for Victor Radley. Tedesco returns. Joseph Martin goes back to centers alongside Josh Morris, who is back in this week as well. Uh, And the bench for them. Orbison goes back to the interchange now. Lindsay Collins, Satili Tupanua, and Palasa Falmasili, who's been recalled. So Ryan Hall out of the side. Uh, and one I've already forgot about, and I'm pretty sure I've now just seen in the reserves, Freddie Lussick, who I'm pretty sure is the third of the Lussick brothers. He's a nine, isn't he? He's also a nine. Yeah. And the middle brother, Joey, ended up going over to England, who was in the Rooster system prior, was also a nine. So... Is he as good? I don't know. I haven't seen him, but he did win their Jersey Flag Player of the Year last year. So he can't be doing too bad if he's winning their players player and their team playing yeah. at nine. So, so he gets some time. We don't know. Lachlan Lamb's been in the 21 every week. They might put some work into him because they've given him a few games. I have no doubt they'll come up with some sort of option there if they need someone. And we've seen Orbison plug in there for 10, 15 minutes if need be. Yeah. Um, who are you liking this one? Difficult with some outs. Roosters. I to stick with. Yeah, I'm with you. I think for Melbourne... Bit of fake form maybe last week for Melbourne. The blow with Munster is much more critical to them scoring points than it is to the Roosters. The Roosters still have points. They bring back in the best player in the game, Tedesco. So that Puasa Farmasuli, he's the one that was at the Warriors. He's yeah? the Warriors one. He's the prop. All right. Good, so, good bench still. Collins, Satili Tupanura can play edge or middle. Orbison covers all positions and Farmasuli another middle. Mm. And you got two props who last week... Played 75 and 80 minutes in Jared and uh, obviously Siwa. Yeah. So they're stacked still. Uh, Teddy comes back in. Morris comes back in. Melbourne doesn't have the best player in the game come back in. Mm. Uh, they lost their best player, in my opinion, in Munster. Yeah. So both on with the Roosters there. The odds with that one, Melbourne are now $2.95. The Roosters $1.42. Minus 6.5 is the line there. Early Friday game, the Raiders finally back in Canberra up against the Dragons, and they've got a few changes. Bailey Simonson goes from the bench onto the wing to replace Rapano, who I'm pretty sure is just out of the side. He's one we forgot earlier. He was lucky to get away with a few things on the weekend, I think. Yeah. Uh, borderline uppercut to Sevo, and he was plenty angry in some rucks. So I thought he was very lucky. I think he only got a fine maybe in one charge from the weekend, but yeah. um, he's out of the side. Simonson back in. Oldfield replaces Curtis Scott, who's been dropped to the bench. Joseph DePine's back from a knee injury in lock for Corey Hillsberg. So they've got Hudson Young staying in the back row of Elliot Whitehead. Uh, Gula, Sutton, Harvili on the bench. Don't really see any late changes on their extended bench. Uh, for the Dragons, no changes from the team of last week. And uh, a few familiar faces in the reserves. Eddie Blacker getting close to a debut. He's a young front rower. Tristan Saylor, Billy Britton, Lafay are there. I think they'll probably stick with the same 17. Yeah. Who do you like on this one? Raiders. I think they 
considering they're home, they don't have to travel. The close loss, they have to find a win this week. Yeah, they have to. Yes, yeah, they have to win this game. They have to. So odds on that one, dollar twenty-two heavy favorites for the bookies. Four twenty-five for the dragons. The line in that one minus ten and a half. Yeah, the ten and a half. That's but, good value yeah. if you like the dragons. I, I wouldn't bet it. Nah, but uh, you know, I don't think Canberra deserved to be a dollar twenty-two. Nah. Because uh, the, the Dragons competed fairly well with the Roosters last week. Yeah, obviously some things did happen, but still, that's pretty hefty. Yeah. If you can take that further to maybe a 12 and a half or something and still get a dollar seventy or dollar sixty five in a multi, yeah. not bad. But both on the Raiders there. Second Friday night game, good clash if the Cowboys turn up this week, the same as they did last week. They're up against the Parramatta Eels. So we obviously know that uh, Moses is out. Jai Field comes in, gets the opportunity to play there. At halfback, and David Gower gets a run on the bench instead of Daniel Arvaro this week. So clearly Brad Arthur starting to rotate in a guy or two every week yeah. to try and get some game time to some of those guys who are on the fringe of the bubble for the Cowboys. Holmes is named in the extended squad in the reserves, and O'Neill has been named on a wing with Opachak locking in that center spot this week. So yeah, That was a late change I had last week. I like Opachak. I thought he was good last year. Yeah, he's a good he player. obviously breaks some tackles, brings a point of difference. Tough. But uh, Holmes, if he is a late inclusion, does that mean O'Neill misses out and Hamaso goes to the wing or does Hamaso drop out? I don't know. I'd say O'Neill misses out. I hope they turn up and are as competitive as they were last week, but I think this forward pack of the Eels will do a good enough job on Tamalolo, which in turn yeah. hurts the rest of the Cowboys. So this is an easy tip for me again. I'll tip the Eels. Um, the Cowboys need to do a lot more than one week of damage to prove a point to me. But again, I'll be interested to see what the odds are. Yeah, and the odds in this one... $1.35 for the Parramatta Eels, three thirty-five for the Cowboys, minus seven and a half mm. is the line. And that's at Bank West Stadium. The line's bang on. So tough one, but both on the Eels need to see more from the Cowboys. Your mob, three PM Saturday. The Titans up against the Sharkies back home. Seabus Super Stadium. As far as changes, Tyron Peachy goes in for Dale Copley. Bryce Cartwright is recalled onto the bench and for the Sharks, same old, same old. Feeder's name to start, you early back to the bench, but that's been happening every week. They've changed over. I think Morris is doing a good thing there, not starting with Feeder. Just injecting him. He's had less minutes, but in his time, I thought he was more effective. You was great for them last week. Mm. Other than that, same side that was red hot last week. Who do you like? Yeah, Cronulla. Yeah, I think if they do anything like they did last week, and that's no knock on your side, obviously, but uh, if they move the ball that they didn't get to those edges, could be, you know... Could be pretty dangerous. Yeah. Could be pretty dangerous, but hopefully they show up uh, the same way they did last week, provide some energy and move the football around themselves, the Gold Coast Titans and the odds in that one. $2.60 for the Titans, $1.50 for the Sharks. Minus five and a half the line. So mm. I don't know if I'd be too interested in the line in that game. Nah. I, I don't mind the Sharks for multi-value, uh, but other than that, yeah, I don't know. Warriors-Broncos is the other game. Coming up, and as far as lineups for this one, Roger, two of us check his name, but I'm pretty sure if I read correctly before, he was suspended. Okay. So he is now out of that side. Huge out. Fussy Tour returns uh, for them on the wing, which pushed Patrick Herbert into the centres. Beal out of the side. Wade Egan's back from suspension. Carl Lawton back to the bench. Jermaine Tanoa, Brown, and Parsi are back in the run on side. Uh, Poasa, like we said, is left. Blair's moved to lock. Harris back to the second row. Papali'i dropped out of the team. And Hetherington, who was loaned in from the Panthers, is now on their side. So a swag of changes. But the big one for me is Roger. I'm certain I saw before is now suspended. Uh, for the Broncos, Tessie New 
stays at fullback. Azarko is back in on the wing instead of Oates. Farnworth and Boyd stay in the centres. Milford and Croft stay in the halves. Lodge, Luke, Haas, Glenn, Pungai, Carrigan back at lock. Dearden's on the bench again, but Flegler returns with Kennedy and Teo. Look, honestly, I have zero confidence in either of these sides. And in particular, honestly, I probably have more confidence in the Warriors bringing an upset again. But I'm going to tip the Broncos, and this is the last chance. Yeah, They Broncos. have to win. They literally have to win. There is nothing left here for them. This has to Broncos, be. because Shaq's out, if, if that's... True, I'm just having a look now. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, that he's out this week. I thought I saw it before. I'll have to try. Yeah, RTS cops on one match, yeah, Ben. There you go. So the odds in that one, and with him out now, $2.50 for the Warriors, $1.52 for the Broncos, minus five and a half is the line. This is just a game we wouldn't bet on, honestly. I don't trust either side. I like Brisbane now. RTS is out. No, I'm just not touching it. I'm staying. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bet on them though. No. No. Staying well away from that game. That's for sure. Tigers Panthers. Hopefully a good game if the Tigers play uh, some good football. Bank West Saturday night seven thirty game on the Tigers side of things. They're unchanged from their good win last week over the Dogs and for the Panthers. Naden's been dropped. Mansour's back into the side. Um, yeah, I'll stick with the Panthers. Penrith until they. Until they give me a reason not to. Yeah. Still need to see some improvement in their good ball attack, I think. But on the Tigers side of things, while well, that scoreline was impressive, you watched that first half. Tigers are a drop down in the class of sides Penrith have been playing. Yeah. It wasn't until late in the half when those errors happened they found those tries. Other than that, I thought for the first... Actually, probably, that's, that's probably an unfair comment. They're probably... Tigers are as good as South. Mm, they're about Or at there. least on that same level, yeah. Yep. So. Uh, the odds, similar again to that last game. 260 for the Tigers, fifty for the Panthers. Minus four and a half, the line. Mm. So, again, I, I don't mind Penrith if you're going to put a multi. It's kind of together for two teams. Them and the Sharks, both for dollar fifty. I don't mind. Um, but, again, I wouldn't be going too heavy on that game. Uh, first Sunday game, Manly, Newcastle. On the Manly side of things, Moses Suley returns. Brendan Elliott is out of the side. Martin Tapia back into the starting side. Sean Cappy to the bench. And for the Knights, Bradman Best back. From his week in quarantine, Shibasaki, three errors last week. He's out of the side. SE starts at lock. Glasby's out after failing a head knock. Sami Solo, one of the young gun props, gets a step up into the side. He's now been called onto the bench. I don't think Manly can play that bad two weeks in a row, and it's great to be going back to Lotto land, but I still think Newcastle uh, are a better team, especially with no turbo. And the hookers, as I said earlier, missing. Mm. And with Best coming back in the way they played last week, I'm going to go Knights. I'll give, I would have given Manly, probably tip Manly, if uh, the Knights hadn't been so badly beat up last week. I think it's a classic bounce back. They need to win this. Yep. Um, Rivalry Manly without Sheck. Uh, not without Sheck. Without turbo, turbo. That's going to hurt. Um, can they solve the issues that were there last week? Probably not in a week. So, yeah, I'll go Newcastle. Mm. I think they're great odds. Yeah. And looking at this one, Manly, $2, $1.80 for Newcastle, minus one and a half is the line. So yeah. so that would be my bet of the round. I'd back Newcastle, minus one and a half. Yep. And with Ladbrokes, who I'm looking at now, they do $2 lines for the whole Hello. thing. So Thank you get it. $2 straight away on that minus one and a half if Beautiful. you like it. Uh, we're both on the Knights there in the last game of the round. The Dogs up against the Bunnies. Dallin has gone back to fullback. Nick Meaney's back on the wing. So Melo Montoya comes back in for his first game in the centres with Remus because Avarillo's out with a head knock. Christian Crichton's back in on the wing. They're stuck with Wakeham in the halves. Uh, the forward pack is basically 
unchanged, the, the big one, is in the reserves. Luke Thompson, who's been in isolation for two weeks in Melbourne, is now here. He's in the extended reserves there. That was saying... Well, he's going to play. Yeah, I don't care what they say. They said he hasn't run in two weeks. He's the fittest bloke. As far as I'm going to go in England, setups and those kind of teams, a couple of weeks running, it's not going to hurt him. He'll be ready to go. He'll, um, He'll be playing somewhere. He'll play off the bench, I would imagine. So. And they'll give him two short stints. Bunnies, James Roberts back into the starting centres. Burns back to the bench. Don't agree with that. I would have kept Burns in over Gagai. Um, but I would have the... kept Burns in over... I would have kept Roberts. Burns and Gagai in over Roberts. Yeah, well, I like Campbell Graham as he's been in the centres, to be honest. Yeah, so, so do I. You know. But it's an interesting lot that they're going to get rid of Alex Johnson, but he's still starting this week. Well, I was going to say, I think Johnston's form proved last week. If he was going to pull someone for Roberts, he pulled Gagai. He's got no shit in him either. Like, he's, he's nah, consistent. He's clean. He scores when he gets his chances. Yeah. He does his job. Gagai's been struggling with errors and form. Like His origin form's undeniable. You know, James Roberts can't form. spend a game without getting sin-binned. Yeah. Gordy's been sin-binned in some games been, in the last two years. He's been a lot. He's been binned a lot. But, yeah, forward pack-wise, uh, pretty much the same for them. The bench, again, they've stuck solid this week with Knight, Siren, and Sele. Sele particularly had a good game last week. Bailey, Siren, and Sele's been good form. Um I'm going to go with South, obviously. South, the Bulldogs yeah. losing Hopawato lost one of their only points of creativity and attack. Dallin struggled those first few weeks. Not from a lack of effort, but he doesn't exactly have a pass. And there's a couple of errors. And I think Avrilo, as I said the last few weeks, I really wanted to see him play in the halves. That's his spot. That's what he's come through the juniors as. He showed some spark out there on the outside backs. But um, yeah, I just think purely for a lack of points. And again, yeah. playing a team like this, Latrell Mitchell... This is another one of those weeks where I'd probably see him having a big game, but we need to see it against better opposition. Yeah. And and the Jet, he owes it to him to have a big game. Yeah. If they're going to drop Burns out of that side. But the odds to finish this one off, Dogs three seventy, dollar twenty seven for the Bunnies, minus ten and a half is the line on that one. So I'd throw the bunnies into my multi. I'll I'll go Newcastle. It's a bit short, but Newcastle minus one and a half into the bunnies. That'll get you two dollars fifty. Um that'd be my bet of the week. Well, if I was going to go three legs, I'd probably just go Newcastle straight up into Penrith, straight up into the Sharkies straight up, which would be a three-legger. And you get 4.05 and you can odds boost it up to 4.30. So if you're going to go head-to-head, they're probably the three I like. I think one of the obvious bets, because of the dollar fifty, you'd probably get okay values for the Sharks, that right-hand edge. Try wing combo on Katoa. I'm sure they'd be about two fifty. Yeah, I wouldn't be betting on the Sharks. He's been red hot. I bet on Penrith. Dollar fifty for Penrith. Good odds. Yeah, it's been pretty good odds. Because I think last week was as good as a loss for Penrith. Like he had Cleary missing some kicks. He had his injury concerns. Kickout had injury concerns. Uh, they didn't play well. Mansour comes back in. Uh, they get a longer turnaround. So yeah, there's a lot of positives if you like Penrith. Well, the way Melbourne's. Left edge got pulled apart by. So even if you said what what bet did I if I said I just wanted Newcastle straight up dollar eighty. So even if I went one point eight times one point five for Penrith times one point two seven for South three fifty. Yeah. Well, the one thing in that Melbourne game, I think the Roosters will win, but that edge last week and again one of the smarter teams, one of the teams that breaks down, attacks Melbourne's left hand edge with Olam. Uh, was exposed heavily by the Warriors. So I'm looking at that going, if the Roosters aren't looking at that, you're kidding yourself. So as far as the right-hand edge of them, two guys that have been in really, really good form, Crichton scored a lot of tries, but probably one man further out from that is Manu. Manu's 375 try win. So if 
O-line and that edge get pulled apart, I think, like last week. The Warriors got there plenty of times, couldn't get over. The Roosters won't make the same mistake. No. So if you're looking for something with a bit of spice, 375, you can get Manu, Crichton, who plays on that edge as well. Try a win, 650. So that right edge, I think, will definitely be a place they'll be looking to go. Yeah. Um, so that's probably just another one there if you're looking for try wins and a bit more value. A few quick questions, Brock. I know we've gone late to finish off, but there's some on Twitter and a couple on the Facebook discussion group. JDHD brought up, at this point, I'm convinced Seabold built his career on realising Damien Cook was better hooking than Robbie Farrar. Oof, I think that's a bit harsh. This Broncos side are a rabble. I know you rate him, Brock, but I just don't see it. Oh, I think we explained enough probably earlier. As far as our opinions there, and rate him, him yeah, rate him. I respect him. Yeah. Rate him. In the end, he's win losses or rate him. Yeah, um, I respect him. Though. He's intelligent. Um, he's a good man. He, I got no doubt he'd be working hard. Yeah, no different to every NRL coach. So, yeah. um, but in the end, he's going to be judged on his results, mm. like, like every coach is. So, and again, um, I certainly won't be protecting him in or holding back or being biased in my comments around him. I think we've been pretty balanced in our criticism but also highlighting some of the things that I think have been uh, glazed over by the yeah, uh, regular media because it's convenient just to hammer the shit out of them. Yeah, and he's the only one who's been um, seen to be copping the battery. Yeah. And there's more reasoning for that. But I think to say that it's purely because he realised Cook was a better hooker or then Michael Maguire's a premiership coach, wouldn't give him the run. Uh, others prior, Des Haslam. Des Haslam so, him on, yeah. He was at Penrith. He didn't just give him a run. He put him in. He made him an 80-minute player, and he got him to the point where he was confident enough and good enough to play origin football. And He took a side that Maguire couldn't get there with English Burgess and a couple other guys with basically zero changes to the finals and a prelim in yeah. a year. So. I'm also not scared of having an unpopular opinion. No. So that's okay. Ming uh, Nostradakis on here says, is Trent Barrett a big reason for Panthers' turnaround so far? I wouldn't put it on Trent Barrett. I'm going to go back to what I said to you earlier, which gave me the shits last year. How many people laid the boot into Ivan Cleary? Yeah, they laid the boot in because, yes, he did leave the Tigers. Yes, he bailed. Everyone laid in and said he went to his son. He dropped guys. He moved on from that scandal. Uh, he moved on guys from the club. He blooded eight players last year. They played with a lot of injuries. Why are they going so well now? They're going so well now because he readjusted that roster. He got rid of a couple of guys that weren't playing well and taken up big salary caps in your Regan Campbell, Gillards, Dallin Watins, Lesniaks, uh, Wanga Blakes. Yeah. He's blooded guys like Brian Toto, Nathan Martin, Egan Gorn. Uh, he brought Coruscant back to the club. I think for everyone to basically this year give no credit to Ivan Cleary, in my opinion, after they all felt the convenience to lay the boot uh, in last yeah, year. I think they all deserve a bit of credit. The um, players deserve credit. The players yeah. are mature. The players are playing But this squad and the flip in 12 months is Ivan Cleary. He's yeah. in full control. So I think yeah. a lot of people have glazed over the fact that two months ago everyone wanted to burn the house down and talk about him getting fired after one year. Well, it's very quiet now, yeah. which is similar to what we're talking about the Seabob thing. But when, when things are going good, the noise just disappears. Mm. So I wouldn't just give all the credit to... Uh, yeah, that sort of things. Looking in that Facebook group, a couple of people put some... I think he probably probably deserves a lot of credit for how well the Haas are playing. Yep. A couple of right. people have put their uh, power rankings in here. A bit of debate, which is always good. In the discussion group. So yeah. if you haven't already joined, jump in. A few more bits and pieces. Question here about the Bulldogs. Where to now? How do they help Dean Pay? Would Nathan Brown be a good option to help him as far as recruitment and building? I just think they need to decide on their coach. We've talked about that before. Yeah. They're talking about players and signings and targets. Players need to know who's coaching. Is mm. it Dean Pay? Is it Wayne Bennett? Who is it? 
they need to decide on who the coach is before they can get into the market and convince players to go there. Mm. Um, another one here, who will be put in 13 to replace Radley? We've already kind of talked Butcher. about that and their style, and that Butcher suits that. And Moses and Munster, you've seen basically what's happened there I think this it'll week. change as well. Like There'll be some weeks where Robinson will play Liu at 13 when they're playing a bigger side yep. and probably play Butcher either as a back rower, but more likely just off the bench and then roll him on for Liu and then play that bit of small ball. Like I think the Roosters are such an adaptable team. Yeah. They'll just, they, you know, adapt accordingly each week. Everyone's got a fairly simple role. They're all well coached, intelligent, know They're their job. So, They're all well skilled. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be an issue at all. They'll just fill in the holes they have to and they'll roll on. Yep. Those two were from Brett Sims and Andrew McCourt and he's saying, Moses and Munster combos, does that have an impact or what does it mean for Marnie and Gutherson and Smith and Pappenhausen? Well, Smith's role never changes for Melbourne. Smith's mm-hmm. the dominant focal point who gets first touch every time. Does he move the halfback, it changes his role, but I still don't think it changes drastically. It means they'll be a little less fluent. They'll have to do a lot more training on combinations. but I think they need to be more disciplined. They've been very error-prone and probably their set finishes, there's more reliance on Smith to kick. Yeah, Pappenhausen's... Got to learn to ball play a bit better, but Munster there definitely affects the way they ball play. It's going to affect uh, the Eels because it means it's a very young their kicking nine game. six seven huge change to their kicking game. Moses does all the kicking, but yeah. Brown I have to take and goal kicking as well. Yeah, David Hooper. He's just read that Carl Morris said Seabold has the full support of the board. Does that mean he's a dead man walking? Yeah, it's not a good sign. Yeah, that line's never a good one. There's a few laughing faces on that one. Uh, Mark Greenwood says, who do we think could use Jimmy Mullaney if he comes back? It's obviously just speculation, but he's another one who thinks the Broncos. Yeah, definitely. I think Manly, given the situation they're in right now, could he play with Cherry Evans? I don't know, because he likes to be fairly dominant. Melbourne. Uh, as a dominant half, if he went there. Yeah, Melbourne, if they picked him up on the cheap, would be awesome to have him yeah. in Munster. I think there's a few clubs that would definitely be interested. Bulldogs could certainly use him before. Uh, Newcastle. There's lots of places I'm sure would take him on board. There's no doubt about that. Tynan Jones. Tommy out for 10 weeks. The way they played against the Sharks, is their season done and dusted? I don't think yeah, it's done and dusted, but I, I bring an overreaction. Up, yeah, I bring up the point I made before. No one's made any mention, in particular, again, all the big people in the media about those two hookers. They were a massive reason for their success last year, and neither yeah. of them are there. Liam Davis. The Knights had a shocking first half, but a great second half three weeks in a row. Yeah. Well, it's easy to play second half when the game's Yeah, when the over. game's done. Um, yeah, guess a little bit of inconsistent their performance, but there's still some Penrith young guys. Doing that a little, they were they were starting well and then dying in the arse late. Sometimes you can just have those trends that form, and there's not really anything to read into it. Yep. And then other times there is stuff to read into it. So I guess it's the coach's job to work out whether it's relevant or not. Mark Greenwood sort of covered something that we've spoke about earlier in the sense of our thoughts on what the NRL does to stop players breaking their contracts. With Bateman confirming he's done at the Raiders. End of year, something needs to be done. His suggestions, if a player wants to leave a club mid-contract, he's not allowed to sign for more money at another club for the duration of the rest of his current contract. Well, that would certainly stop players if they knew they couldn't go get more money. Um, how do you control it? But that's that's hard if a club says you can go, yeah. you're playing well, we can't pay you, you're on 200, but you can get 500 somewhere yeah. else. And, and they're mutually happy to let him go. I think what's interesting in this one is that Canberra clearly don't want to let him go. No. But they also don't want to pay him more pay. than what he's on because they don't have that cash. So it's unfair on them. They're, they're essentially unable to negotiate. They're just getting punished, though. 
because they've got someone who's basically. I'm saying, saying Canberra now, can't yeah. negotiate. Canberra are saying this is what we're paying, this is what we can afford. We already made you that offer, and you knocked it back. Yeah, and now we've signed the rest of our squad. So I think the the big thing again is what we spoke about again. Canberra's want to get screwed. Then they bring him here, they pay the hefty transfer fee. Yeah, they put him on very good money. I think six hundred grand, and now he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, so. Contract definitely needs to mean more. There's no doubt about that. I hope James Hooper didn't report that. Oof. Uh, Jackson Balfortext here says, thoughts on if the Dragons should go hard for Bateman after losing Frizzell. Uh, again, I said it earlier, for $800,000, I, I wouldn't pay him. I, mm. I, I'd be interested, but if that's the sort of money he's after, I, I'm not paying that for uh, John Bateman. I'm sorry. So, Other options in the market. Yeah, some of their other players they've got. They've got some guys they could uh, give a crack to first, but yeah, um, I'm not so sure about that. No. And now my computer's just had a complete and meltdown. Excellent. Super. Then that was the other one I was going to say, Brock. There was a lot of people, and again, we're fairly late in the pod, so I don't know. Some people hopefully go this deep, but there was a lot of people asking about what happened to Buzz. We haven't been doing much Buzz lately, mate. Hmm. He was good on 360 last night, mate. He was. He made some valid points while the others were just trying to go for the jugular and rant and rave and yell at the top of their lungs mm. over him, as usual. But he made I've some noticed, good He's points. been very active on Twitter lately, Buzz. Has he? Yeah, defending defending himself and his views. and Good. Get him, Buzz, Cops mate. a lot of shit on Twitter or fans, but he takes it well, young Buzz. He's a harmless old bugger. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. I'm a hater, so should they scrap the seven-tackle restart after a dead ball, considering we oh, now have the six again start rule? me. Well, I don't think the six again rule, you know, has a big effect in that. I just think you shouldn't be punished for attacking kicks. No. If you purposely kick dead, can you differentiate? Again, people say Of course that. you can. I think it's pretty obvious. We know why it got brought in when they were kicking dead to stop Billy Slater, but mm. when I see blokes put in a good kick Cardi. across the field... That's literally contested and a, a player almost scores and then it turns into a seven-tackle set. I reckon that's bullshit. I think it's good coaching from Cardi. Yeah, oh, your man. We beat we beat you twice doing that. That was <laughs> yeah. the only way we are going to beat you. I love it. David McNeil, the change in the six-again rule sounds like an old-fashioned crackdown happening, markers being square. How about just get the teams back to 10 metres? Well, mm. that's what the touch judges are there for, aren't they? But they're not really doing a good job. So mm. uh, that's a hard one. And the last one here, Daniel Sand. Says, topic suggestion from a coaching perspective, how do you beat the Roosters? My only dumb input is the attack from the own half on tackle three. Their goal line D is unstoppable. They won't score on them within 20 metres, so I really feel an early kick over the top for a wing option. Otherwise, too hard to crack. Love to hear your thoughts as former players and current coaches. You've got to beat them in every area of the game and you've got to play for 80 minutes well two things you need to do you need to be more disciplined you yeah. need to have high even, completions even share of possession but you can't complete and do fuck all with the no, ball you've got to I think so the big thing for them you've got to complete high while playing footy yeah if you get and a ruck using the ball if you get a ruck you've got to go because they do a very good job and I said this the first week instantly recovering if they lose a ruck even if it's later in the count they're doing the opposite of a lot of teams instead of just trying to retreat get back on side and, you know, cover up, they're compressing. Mm. They've been compressing, winning that, making sure they win that next play and taking back control of the set. You have to be willing 
to, you know, roll the dice while at the same time complete high. And I know that sounds stupid, but... Yeah. I'd also built yeah. the shit out of Tedesco. I'd built the shit out of Kiri. Kiri, pick on those two. Yeah, I'd run... Not not illegally. No. But um, Luke Kiri's probably going to make 30 tackles. I wouldn't. And James Tedesco is not not going to catch a kick and then get hit no. as soon as he catches it. Anything in the attacking half, I would be just doing the old tactic that the Roosters did with Pierce, which everyone hates. It'd be the up and under, making him stand flat and mm. just walloping him. I'd also be playing very passive markers. Yeah. Because they, they do a lot of damage. Through the middle. Through the middle. Just, just trying to... I'd, I'd be yeah. happy for a friend to pass. You want your... Um, yeah. And then try and attack as much as possible yeah. from the inside. And like you're saying, you want your markers not to fold back in, but to kind of sit. And then you want your ABs to come up hard mm. and get numbers in early and try and cover what they do. They really tip well. But you've got to be super, super vigilant, as you said, I guess, with the two markers but your three defenders either side of the ruck because that mini line where you potentially have eight bodies, they're doing such a good job pulling that apart at the moment. Mm. But it, it's like it's it's hard to say. Complete high, take your opportunities, don't drop. Like you you need to be close to perfect. And on a bad week, they're still better than most. They're, yeah, there's that is not really a weakness either. Though defensively, I guess the other week the Eels kind of showed that Manu uh, had some one-on-one blips on his radar, but it's still not enough for me off that one game to go, that's a weakness to attack. And on top of that, you need to have a quality player to be able to attack him with. Yeah. That's the other big issue. Like, head-to-head or marking up in all areas of the field, they've got a gun left edge, a gun right edge, a gun forward pack, and a gun rotation. If you're talking about coaching, we need to also know who we're coaching. Yeah, who what we've, their got, what we've are. got to put against them. Uh, but, yeah, they don't really have many weaknesses. It's all well and good to say I'm going to do A, B, C, and D, but if you don't have the players that can do it, no hope. which a lot of teams in the NRL don't, I think a lot of coaches could probably break the roosters down, but it's one thing to know how to do it, but it's another thing to actually have the be able to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there you go. Another huge show this week, touching on some questions, bits and pieces, lots going on in the game. But uh, fingers crossed for everybody out there that things keep heading in the right direction. I know we've had that little... Mishap down in Melbourne. Yeah, anyone down in Melbourne, stay safe. Yeah, definitely. And for I know the AFL are obviously having a problem at the moment. They're having to relocate a lot of games. We're lucky we only had just the Storm, who are now got a base up there on yeah. the sunny coast where they've got that feeder team. But in particular for us uh, in Sydney and people in Brisbane, they're getting the crowds back early. I'm really hoping as people that are in Sydney, we can get back to games in the next few weeks. I know we're back now, but that capacity to get hopefully to 50% so we can actually... Get to a game. Yeah, it'd be good. Because right now, we've been looking the last few weeks now, back 25. I'm assuming corporates. I just, I just read then members. the 7,500 available to go to Bank West for the Eels game, members. and they're all members, yeah. Yeah, and that's what you'd expect, probably a lottery or members ballot. emails first for them to get in and members ballot. But yeah, uh, I'm really hoping at least within a month, six weeks, we get an opportunity where it's maybe half capacity. Yeah. But yeah, fingers crossed, Melbourne come out of it all good, but Sydney... And uh, Queensland keep trending in the right direction and we're all back at the football very soon. Yeah, if you can eradicate it in Sydney for two weeks, mm. three weeks, there's no reason why they wouldn't just and Brisbane open everything back up. Just open the borders to a few of us, everyone except Melbourne, Yeah, poor Melbourne. So there you go. Well, they don't share, Queensland don't share a border with Melbourne anyway, so nah. it doesn't matter. Us and South Australia are the main ones, yeah. so we've obviously scrapped them. So same deal as Brock just said, everybody out there, stay safe. Hope all as well. Hopefully you're enjoying the rugby league and fingers crossed for another cracking round of football this weekend. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 